combat time. Combat time, where three friends talk about everything and anything Mortal Kombat. As always, I'm Josh, followed by Yassine. Hello. And Jay. Hello, hello. And uh, today we're finally, finally going to talk about... Finally! Uh, you know, the the namesake of our, of our podcast, uh, you know, Combat Time! We're going to talk about the... Combat Time! Uh, the... The classic uh, perennial television program, Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm. Animated show that ran for 13 episodes and did not get... Yeah, perennial. What does that mean? It means uh, like it set the... It broke the mold. It set the trend. I think that's the meaning of the word. Oh. And this certainly did. No, it didn't. It's basically it's 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 Thundercats of Mortal Kombat characters. It's your standard Saturday morning TV show. Don't uh, insult Thundercats like that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, there 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 will be some overlap of Thundercats too. There's a lot of famous voice actors in here, but you know, about time we talk about it. Uh, I don't know um, how positively we're going to talk about it. And uh, boy, I had another thought too, but uh, it escaped my brain because my brain is an empty void. Filled to nothing but uh, Jacks going gotcha. So and portals and portals. And portals. Don't worry, we got striker for that. Striker will see all the portals somehow. Strike force. Some way. <laughs> I will say before we get before we go into it, uh, we are doing the whole the whole show. Not yeah, we are not, not doing what. Uh, if if you want to get a real intimate breakdown, uh, of course Neil and Corey over at MK Podquest. Once they yep. ran out of Conquest episodes to talk about, they went over to this show. Uh, and there might be some parallels in our observations uh, uh, with theirs, like how every character is a petulant teenager and so forth. But, you know, we'll get to that. I mean, it's I, it's it's hard to have very differing opinions on a show that's pretty bare bones. Yeah, that's uh, very true. Uh, and I remember one I wanted to say, I was going to say, this might be a no shit, I know what we're going to cover uh, type of episode for some people listening. But then again, maybe it's not. I don't know. Because it's like, everyone our age probably remembers this show. You know, we all seen it. I don't think you guys saw every episode. I said I didn't see every episode, but as we watched them, I didn't have any one that I was completely unfamiliar with. But I got to wonder, like, for younger MK fans, people that joined in during the 3D era or the NetherRealm games... Is this something that is a complete blind spot or is it, you know, is it as notorious as it is? And they all know like, oh, yeah, there was that shitty MK Saturday morning cartoon. Or might this be something they have no idea about? And I kind of hope it's the latter is, so they can enjoy this, uh, you know, exploration of it. That is one thing that I, I wonder. And I, I don't know how you would figure this out. But like people like obviously people our age who are in their 30s I mean possibly 40s, uh, <laughs> Jay. Um, <laughs> palm trees our, and shade <laughs> but people our age like we grew up with the you know the rise of mortal Kombat and the popularity of mortal Kombat. so there's a lot more people in our generation who have consumed more of mortal Kombat and a lot of the stuff in the fringes outside of the games 
and even outside of the movies. Whereas, like, I wonder if newer fans who are, you know, fans of just, like, MK9, 10, 11, or, like, you know, like you said, from the 3D games up, did they have incentive enough to go back and play the old games to, you know, I mean, they probably watched the movies. Um, did they, you know, go read the comics? Did they watch Conquest? Did they watch Defend? Like, did they have any interest in watching any of that? Or are they, or are they just like, this is my Mortal Kombat the last three games, I don't need to go back and see anymore. I think it depends on the hardcoreness of the fan. I'm without a doubt, for sure. Uh, I'm sure a lot of younger fans have gone back and watched the '95 movie, and maybe even Conquest because it's on HBO Max. But Defenders of the Realm, that ain't on HBO Max. Uh, it's true. Yeah. Doesn't even have a fucking satisfying U.S. Uh, physical media release. Uh, the only way you can watch it easily is on YouTube, which I guess would make it likely that they've seen it because. You know, you could go see the whole fucking thing on YouTube, but it is it is kind of one of those things that I think uh, has been dusted under the the carpet, <laughs> like special forces. Yeah, there is there is actually one good thing about um, at least in this day and age about uh, someone who wants to watch Defenders of the Realm. Um, it's actually pretty easy and accessible to get to. So if you are a Mortal Kombat uh, media completionist, where like you have to see everything, if you're just one of those types. Uh, you can watch Defenders of the Realm on YouTube for free um, if you want, like we did. And honestly, I, I that has been kind of like a good standard uh, for watching old school cartoons from the 90s for people, again, that are around our age. Or even like if you're a younger person and you kind of want to know why older people talk about X cartoon with such relevancy and nostalgia, well, you can go back and actually watch a bunch of this stuff now like we did so i do think now um at least in this day and age uh you can you can like you can watch this stuff and it's and it's interesting just to kind of look back on it you know now like with a clear head than when it first came out and just kind of understand where mortal kombat was as a franchise at least from not from the games, but just as a as a media impact on culture back then. Just kind of like what they were talking about, what the lore was like, and you know their interpretations of the characters. Yeah, this is this is part of as Neil likes to call it the uh, threshold entertainment uh, Mortal Kombat cinematic universe, which is the whole reason the show exists. So, well, yeah. I I guess we could jump into <laughs> it about why this fucking thing me and Jay talked about this before recorded why this fucking thing yeah, even happened I'm kind of curious about that before that though uh are there any how do you do's any any, any uh catching up how we've been since last recording before we jump in I do have a question uh, yeah uh, mm-hmm. I, but this is actually less of a question on like how do you do's and more like a question for the both of you Hmm. Uh, when you saw Defenders of the Realm, just out of curiosity, what uh, what network did you see it on? USA. I think that's what it aired it on. USA. Yeah. 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 USA. Yeah. USA Network. Action was Extreme Team. That was too. their morning program. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and like, yeah. it just it's just us talking about it about how like me just kind of mentioning how it was watched on YouTube. I'm like, oh man, I watched a lot of ca- action cartoons on USA Network back in the day, but I was. I was a USA kid growing up before I became a Disney kid. I, it I ran back like, to back with uh, the Street Fighter uh, series, which I did not yep. watch, but it also ran, I think, on yeah, the I same block with uh, Sailor Moon, which is how I discovered Sailor Moon. Yep. And Ultra Force. Yep. <laughs> I remember Ultra Force. <laughs> yeah. And then Wildcats was on there, so was Savage Dragon. 
Yeah. I honestly don't think it aired on any other network except USA. Maybe TNT. But, uh... I mean, yeah. Because I, I, I remember specifically when this came out, and I remember I remember being excited for it because this is, like, you know, right when, you know, I, I'm into Mortal Kombat and everything like that. But I, I don't know what it was. I think it's just, like, being a kid and not, you know, knowing that stuff is on, but not always paying attention to how like how long seasons are hmm. i thought this show was a lot longer and i just assumed that i didn't watch a lot of the because ep- i didn't watch every episode i watched the first few and then i may have missed a week or two and then i watched another one i remember i think i remember watching one of the later ones as well but man it wasn't until like we we started this podcast i think is when i realized that it was like only 13 episodes yeah i thought it was a full 22 Probably because it was just always on, so you'd see a random episode, and you just assumed there was much more, but there wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I probably watched the new episode on its second or third run. <laughs> I think I've seen the bulk of them, but I didn't know the, uh, yeah, the limits. Uh, I even, I was thinking like, I, here my brain is thinking like, I remember re-watching some of those episodes. How did I do that? There wasn't streaming back then, and then I remembered, oh yeah, I was the kid that recorded everything on a, the fucking VCR. I even recorded myself playing fucking video games. Uh, I'm going through all my oh, old really? VHSs. Oh, yeah. I'm going through all my v- VHSs now of just shit I recorded, which is kind of a sobering thing. It realizes how much of a child of uh, media that, you know, we all are. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I think I recorded that too. a couple of my favorite episodes, and I do remember them watching them uh at a different location because I took the VHS tape with me, mm. and I liked the show too. I think that's that's going to be the end theme. Is uh, if Neil was the defender of uh, special forces, I'm just going to assume I'm going to take that role and be the defender of the show as we talk about it. But we'll find out. Yeah, but other than that, I don't really have any how to dos. You know, I'm good. Uh, you know, I'm basically I'm old and blessed, and I'm a hot mess. So that's all I got for me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Old and blessed and a hot mess. I like that, Jay. That's good. <laughs> good little rhyme. What the fuck? <laughs> um, I don't have a good one. I can't. I mean, I can't compete with that. Yeah, we don't have to make up a <laughs> saying. That's that's Jay's territory here yeah. today. Yeah, pretty much. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm just living off the high of cocaine bear. So hell yeah, right now. cocaine bear. Much better than this show, I would assume. Oh, absolutely. Also, it's only an hour and a half, so... And only an hour and a half, yeah. Well, I mean, this show combined, uh, 13 episodes, 20 minutes, math. Uh, oh, what I predict, four Definitely hours. more than two hours. Yeah, it's more than two hours, but, you know. Yeah. Either way. Well, uh, and I'm doing okay. Not much Not much to report. Uh, the weather's beautiful, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I, had some, I had some scares of wasps getting in the goddamn house again. Um, I won't go on that. Dude, I hate yeah. that. Dude, yeah, no. Okay, okay, one small size. Dude, I've been like, getting spot I've been getting spiders in my my house. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, countered a couple random. I mean, I try to keep them cuz you know, keep out the pests just as long as they're not brown No, not the ones that are like walking so like the ones that are like crawling across the wall. Nah. Nah. If they're big <laughs> and they're crawling, I'm 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 done with them. Nope. So I, I I had a moment uh of uh, I don't think it was a wasp. They're not out yet. It was a boring bee, which are harmless, but I, I didn't know if it was a boring bee or wasp. But the wasps will be coming for them, and they burrow in the eave of my roof. And one got in, 
And I call the exterminator because I'm like, yep, you're probably going to need to come tend to that. Uh, they're starting to make a nest. But while I was calling them, I was freaking out because there was one in the house. So I would constantly cut off the person and be like, oh, my fucking God. And they were like laughing their <laughs> ass off at me. And like I, I said, I feel like Ripley from Alien, which, you know, small side, I will be appearing on uh, Neil's Alien themed show, Crew Expendable. Uh, and it was right after I recorded that episode that this happened. So I was like, yeah, this, this is this is thematically appropriate. Now I'm living through Alien 3. Uh, <laughs> you know, I ate much for begging. The first one. Yeah, you should. I, I, it's just unbelievable. You haven't seen Aliens. You should see. You could listen to the podcast where we talk about Alien Three. That's a give or take. But you can listen to it to experience the movie from Osmosis. But uh, you should definitely uh, go fucking see Aliens at some point. Run, don't walk to see Aliens, and run <laughs> uh, to go watch this incredible show, which I guess we'll go ahead and get into. <laughs> Maybe a light light walk light walk make a detour if you want lol well (laughs) basically for anyone who like i said we were wondering if there are people like this for anyone that doesn't know what the show is the basic gist of it is around 1995 1996 mk95 movie came out and you know ignited the mortal mania across the world and before they yeah before they ever made the uh, unfortunate sequel, Annihilation, uh, they put into production uh, this wonderful television series, which was basically your standard Saturday morning cartoon, uh, mm-hmm. styled after Mortal Kombat 3. So it, it more or less has the same canon as Mortal Kombat 3 as far as where the story is. And the characters are the protagonists from that game, minus Kung Lao. No Kung Lao. That's he's a weird omission. I don't um, know if that's a good or a bad thing. I'm like, on the one hand, it's like well, I didn't get to see my dude, but at the same time, it's like, well, he didn't. He got saved from not being in this, and he's gonna, oh man, he'd probably get killed in this one too somehow. What what, what would his catchphrase be? Because yeah, obviously they're 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 '90s catchphrases. I think his would be catch as he throws his hat, or like or like let me show you my hat. Let me show you don't my lose hat. your head. Let me take off my hat <laughs> or something like that. But basically, uh, Mortal Kombat media outside the games was being produced by Threshold Entertainment, uh, spearheaded by our favorite Lawrence Kasnoff of Arabia, who uh, you know, <laughs> was the, was the Lawrence Kasnoff. His name's not really Lawrence Kasnoff of Arabia, who you know fell in love with the franchise, seeing it as as we've said before, Star Wars meets Enter the Dragon, convinced them to make the movie. And now he's going to pimp this shit out. And, of course, the next venue was Saturday Morning Cartoons. So they take all these video game characters modeled after the most recent game, Mortal Kombat 3, and shoved them into a fucking Saturday Morning Cartoon and sanitized it of all its uh, violence and gore and edginess and then shoved in some uh, obvious attempts to market toys because all the Mortal Kombat heroes uh, ride jets. They're called the Dragon Jets, and that's where they, they go to. And they have a bat cave. They have a headquarters where they monitor infiltrations from other like realms. It's a, very, it's a very 80s, 90s uh, cartoon trope where it's like every team or hero has like a base that's like in a cliff or a mountain or something. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's just like every show. 
Yeah. Yep. Like, um, I'm over here. I'm, like, I'm over here tripping. Um, that like, I never, I never got to see the combat jets in my local toy store. I would have bought those. I want to. Yeah, I got jet. the. I got the feeling, and I did not find anything research-wise that they really wanted there to be a toy line. And then oh, it, it never came out, obviously. And it makes me wonder too, like if if maybe part of it is like they realized the show wasn't doing good or there was no interest in toys, so they didn't bother shoehorning in anything else. Because if it was a successful show, because by the way, this is one season, it was canceled right away. Would have there been more crazy shit? Like, what if the dragon jets transformed or combined? Like fucking uh uh. I was gonna say Transformers, whatever the other guys are. Uh, Power Rangers, Voltron? Power Rangers, Voltron. Yeah, I was thinking Voltron, or you know, some crazy shit like you know, what if what if they have escape pods, uh, and they pop out and they're the Velosphere from Annihilation, so they can get in tight spaces, or what if at like at, maybe Outworlders attack their secret base in the Nevada desert, whatever where their Bat Cave is located, and Raiden holds up a staff and electrifies everything and the whole fucking base transforms into a giant mech with like turrets. Dude, considering how recycled a lot of the episode to episode stories are and how not much new equipment or anything is like introduced by the end of it, it's like, I don't know if they would have done that. I mean, if if it were successful, I think maybe they would have done that and... Maybe. Would it have been a good thing if it were successful or not? Because this definitely cheapens. Not that Mortal Kombat isn't cheap in a way already. It's, you know, LOL, blood and gore. With a with a great uh, backstory, though. So maybe it isn't cheap. But, you know, this totally... Yeah, watered it down. Saturday morning cartoon. It was cringy. It was full of one-liners. Uh, of course, the famous one, which inspired us. For this pop- combat time, which Sonya shouts whenever combat she can. Time. There are a couple other failed uh, one-liners, but hers is most consistent. Yeah, I do want to mention. I was. I just wanted to mention real quick that I did keep a tally. Yes. Of how many times she said yes. Mortal Combat. Uh, she said Combat Time throughout the show, and the grand total is fourteen. 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 I, I had one oh. thing I was thinking of doing. I haven't done it. Maybe I'll edit in the intro. I was going to make, or, or in the outro, I was going to make it my outro, but I didn't have time to edit together. And I don't know if it'll sound good. I kind of want to overlay all 14 combat times. <laughs> see how it sounds. We'll see. Wait, in one go? like In does, one go, like just over top of each other at once. Is it all this, is it just the same uh, recording? No, of course it isn't. We heard, because you recognize the one that I used for the intro when it came up. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Sometimes she says combat time, and then sometimes she draws it out. Combat time! You know, it depends on her mood. <laughs> yeah, it does depend on her mood. When she's not saying kiss off, which is her second uh, uh, catchphrase when she does her kiss of death move. <laughs> I actually think that uh, most of the characters actually do have, well, not all of them, but most of them actually have like a little bit of a one-liner, like Jax has gotcha and all that. But actually, you know what I kind of wish I would have tallied up? Liu Kang has one too. It's just he does. Yeah, yeah. That is that. That would be like twice as much. Yeah, because they because he doesn't change his tone. They basically recycled that one sound just about every episode. Each time he does any type of kick. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they recycle that sound for other characters at some point too. (laughs) 
Uh, yep. There are some recycled sounds because there's a there's a another battle cry that uh, some characters do. It almost sounds like a bird squawk, like ah! Liu Kang does it. The cyber <laughs> units do it uh, because the putties, uh, as you as it were uh, in this series, putties being you know your your red coats, your disposable enemy, is cyber ninjas. Uh, of course, which doesn't make narrative sense in the lore of Mortal Kombat, but you know, hey, we need a. Uh, we need fucking disposable villains. So yeah, cyber ninjas. So fun crash course into what goes into an 80s or 90s cartoon of action. You have to have the secret lair in a bat cave. You have to have mm-hmm. a flying device. Usually in this case it's jets, but it could be flying motorcycles or flying skateboards, whatever you want to call it. Some sort of like mechanically interesting looking vehicle. You have to have a nerdy tech guru, which in this show is Nightwolf. Um, you know, some, you know, some, someone who's playing with the computers and all that stuff, you have to have, you know, um, a big, uh, like a big bad. And then you have to, and then the big bad has to have like comic relief or goofy red shirts or disposable minions that can just get beat up by the heroes. And if you want it to be gory, but you don't want to be violent, you make them robots. Ninja Turtles yep. did this stuff too. Long time that ago. That way you could tear them apart. Yep. Just like Star and Wars. And the robots. Yeah, and they're robots. Yep. Yeah, they don't have no soul. Uh, yep. Even though Mortal Kombat's lore is the Cyber Ninjas were previously human, doesn't appear to be the case here, with the exception of Sector Cyrex and Smoke, because they don't have midsections. They're they're like GI Joe figures. They have little uh, blank space in their or their torsos. Uh, so they are they are automatons. Yep. So, well, I guess let's jump into two how this fucking show even came about, mm-hmm. and the answer is. There's not much uh, illumination in that. the The main answer is is fucking Lawrence Kasanoff. <laughs> they just wanted to to have another Mortal Kombat property. the The answer that we do have is uh, the people that were responsible for this. There was an animation studio called uh, Film Roman, and it was founded by a guy named Phil Roman, who uh, had cut his teeth doing uh, specials, uh, those Garfield television specials that maybe some, maybe either of you might remember. I remember the cartoon show, but I don't remember the special. The cartoon show did came later, uh, but first they just had TV specials and they did them alongside, he, he worked for a different production studio, uh, Bill, Bill Melendez Productions, who also did the TV specials for Peanuts, like the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special and all that. And yeah. there literally was a question of uh, conflict of interest because, you know, you got Garfield, and Peanuts, Scorpion, and Sub-Zero. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Phil Roman uh, went off on his own so he could continue to do the Garfield TV specials and he formed Film Roman. And they actually are responsible for a lot of fucking... Uh, well celebrated animated shows. They worked uh, for a period on The Simpsons. They worked on The Critic, okay. King of the Hill, Family Guy, uh, and yes, even Beavis and Butthead, but only season eight. Uh, but they done a lot of shit. And then yes, uh, the Garfield and Friends full TV series, uh, which eventually came to head. And I think that that was actually the first series that his studio was responsible for creating, and perhaps you know the greatest contribution to society. Garfield and Friends, so we have we have him to thank for that. So it's like a full full on um, animation studio. Yeah, like uh, they, they handle all the animation, and everything. Yeah, 
there is some outs like I, I haven't gotten to the guts of them uh, for lack of time. They did have some collaboration with some outside help, as was Jay will probably point out, as is done in the biz. Uh, I'll, I'll cover later, but they do have some help from uh, some animation studios in Japan and I think Taiwan, which might explain why the art in the final episode, episode 13, looks starkly different. Because I think those they probably had more of a hand in it than film yeah. Roman. Because, uh, yeah, uh, as we'll probably comment more than once the animation the show ain't great no it's not that's part of what this makes this show bad is it's it might not be the fault of anybody except for just a a tight uh production schedule yeah i feel like a lot of times yeah it it is uh, jay could probably say more of this but it's whenever a a show has like bad animation or something like that or they they they, you could tell that they're cutting corners it's because they have no time or no budget or both yeah. yeah, like a lot of the time when you have a budget for a show, especially like a show that is pitched in this way like it was in the 90s, you usually have more than one writer, but at least it's not like 12 or 14, but you have more than one writer and each one of these people are writing episodes and as they're writing episodes and they're getting scripts done, um, they're recording voice work and then they're shipping off and getting the animation done, but this is happening concurrently. like So like episode one and five and seven are all being animated at the same time so they can all get done which is why you know you have episodic like shows that that allows more flexibility to do that so you can keep the budget down and actually get the show out on deadline and i don't know the ins and outs of it but mortal Kombat, just defense of the realm feels like a prime example of a low budget rush kind of show where they did this which is a shame because it's mortal fucking combat it was the biggest property at the time you think they would have put a little bit more into it but for but for a quick like just very brief crash course and hint of knowledge to anybody who ever wonders why their favorite cartoons sometimes don't look consistent all the time this is why because animation is hard it takes a long time to do it's 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 very um it's actually very expensive because of the length of time so what a lot of studios will do is that once something gets approved they have X amount of time to do it, and trust me, it ain't long. Uh, f- most films have more time than animation uh, do to actually complete their stuff. Oh, yeah. So what they'll do to sort of compensate for that is that they'll I mean, outsource uh, Not to stuff. cut in, but South Park, Matt Stone and Trey Parker famously produced a South Park episode in like one week. Yep. But when you have more high-quality shows like Young Justice, like Teen Titans, like Gargoyles, like even Avatar The Last Airbender, they have shows where two different episodes that may have that may nearly have nothing to do with each other are being animated simultaneously at the same time by two different studios to both cut cost and uh get the episodes ready for broadcasting as soon as possible which is why you know throughout the 90s every cartoon basically did this and more cartoons than you think like freaking uh, tiny tune adventures uh animaniacs gargles like i mentioned before wildcats um even like God, like, 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 what's another um, Thundercats, Transformers, all these studios and all these American cartoons did this. Where if you watch the whole show, you'll notice that the animation styles look slightly different, or they flow differently episode to episode. They don't look consistent. Well, that's because they were done by a different studio that has their own work ethic. So it's um, yeah. it's interesting when you look at it though, because that kind of tells you a bit why the show is the way it is. And for Mortal Kombat: Defenders of the Realm. 
it's just another example of like, oh, uh, another studio did this episode, or they added this, or they did this in there. Yeah. Makes sense. And there is... uh, Jay, by the way, he's going to geek out about animation in this episode for sure, because Jay's animation fan, and he has a lot of knowledge of a lot of the fucking shows that are produced there, so definitely you'll hear a lot about that. You're right, though, as far as the writing... It was uh, kind of a shared writing thing. There was a primary writer, though. Uh, before I get to her, though, that Film Roman studio, uh, besides the shows I mentioned, uh, they also are responsible for some visual effects, for some head-scratching things. Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> Which okay. comes up a lot. Uh, I guess, okay. you know, there's probably an episode that has a title graphic, and they did the uh, special effects for, and Hellraiser, Hellseeker. Uh, one of the awful straight-to-video Hellraiser sequels that came out in the 2000s did that. And also, uh, you've seen you like this. They did VFX for Rush Hour 3, the trailer. <laughs> Wait, trailer? Just the trailer. The trailer to Rush Hour 3, yes. <laughs> Just the trailer, though. <laughs> yes. So, for uh, Defenders of the Realm, uh, I was shifting over into uh, the writing. Because, yes, Jay, mm-hmm. the, there is kind of a collaborative... Thing, but there is a primary writer, and that's Sean Catherine Derrick. Uh, and it's uh, Sean, but uh, it's actually a woman writer. Uh, I don't know if Sean's oh. a, a gender neutral uh, fucking term or not. So I don't think it's Sean Catherine because it's not hyphenated. Name is Sean Catherine Derrick. She is actually known for writing a bulk of the episodes in Batman the Animated Series. Oh, that's cool. Oh. Which, you know, is very hard. Yeah, um, yeah, I read some reviews where people are like, how'd this show stink? She was writing it. And she's got a wealth of credits and other stuff. I didn't look at everything. One note about her, too, is when you look her up, uh, one of uh, the pictures that comes up is the mystic woman from Conquest. The one that, you know, gives Kung Lao the uh, potion that reverses aging. And she's like a hot woman that wears nothing but beads. So she might as well be naked. Until she, you don't remember that? Barely. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of half naked women in Conquest. Oh, um, I see it. But yeah, the... yeah, she turns <laughs> into an old lady, but when she drinks the thing, she turns into a young yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I see her. That now, picture yeah. comes up attached to her because oh yeah, she also did write a lot of Conquest. Uh, but I saw yeah. some pages that incorrectly attributed literally this picture of that character to her, and I'm like, holy smokes, was that her back then? But it wasn't. Uh, but there are some sites that incorrectly label that to her. But yeah, she also wrote Conquest. Uh, there's also some overlap uh, to Conquest later too, which will be interesting. But yeah, she wrote the bulk of the episodes. Uh, not a lightweight dude, bulk of the episodes. Um, Big Lebowski reference. And uh, except for a few, and I started to catalog some of them, but I gave up because there are a few where the middle of the show she kind of wasn't involved in. And then later she came on, but some of the later episodes are her and this person and that person. Uh, the one interesting thing to know is uh, the smoke episode, my favorite, by the way, uh, was written by a guy named uh, Mark Hoffmeyer, who apparently was brought in because he wrote some uh, screenplays for Power Rangers. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, you know, they were like, hey, come in and help us write this fucking stupid kids Mortal Kombat show. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the only other crew member of note, uh, and this is the other part that overlaps the Conquest, is the music uh, composer is Jonathan Sloat, 
who uh, doesn't have, that's S-L-O-A-T-E, doesn't have a lot of credits, but he also, remember how I was saying, boy, this music sounds in on brand with what came in Conquest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's because it's the same fucking composer. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. a lot of uh, cross-pollination with uh, a lot of the Threshold Entertainment properties. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, and yeah, that's about all I got on the background of how this show came. Like I said, the, Jay asked, like I said before we hit record, the why. There is no why, I guess. It's like the, the one... uh was money. It was the one villain in the Nick Cage movie, 8mm, when asked why he did it. He said, because it could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's that's that, the answer it sounds, here. It sounds like Lawrence Kasnoff was like, oh, Mortal Kombat, it does the good thing with the good people. Let's it makes make the money. The it makes the money. Yeah. Let's do the show. Let's do the animated show of it. Let's so. print more money. Sell the cereal. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, but something... But like, it didn't like, turn out that way. Yeah, but something I definitely loved is that each time, like, in this show, you obviously... It, like, you know when it cuts, you know they're cutting to a commercial break. And every single time I'm like, all right, time to sell cereal. Because <laughs> yep. yeah, that's, that's what it was. That's what it was like. Yeah. You know, I have a couple VHS tapes with a random episode of this. I had a... I usually skip the commercials. Uh, I'll have to go see if there's any retro commercials on those tapes. Because I have the Quan Chi episode I, I discovered, I uncovered when I was uh, going through my old VHS tapes. Ah, okay. There's probably some serial, serial in there or some action figure lines. Um, crossfire. So, yeah. You get caught up in the crossfire. 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 Yeah. <laughs> So, like, before we get into, like, uh, maybe, like, exploring the, the cast, which this actually, for, for a cheaply produced show, it has some star power in the voice cast. Did we want to, like, summarize it all? Like, the, 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 the whole 13 episodes? Or at least give, like, the general story? We can, I, I don't want to summarize, quick. like, yeah, every single episode. If, you know, like, go listen to MK Podcast if you want a real intimate yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Go, exploration like they, of that. They go in-depth in every episode and it's a great lesson so please go and watch uh, go and listen to mk podcast uh on all you know podcast apps and even on youtube so yeah they're on youtube now which we yeah. should get to at some point uh but yeah we could run through them um spoilers a lot of the episodes consist of uh person x uh <laughs> goes through a portal into the earth realm and wants to invade and then they get stopped Oh, I thought you were going to say per- Person X has a personal issue that needs to be solved and it becomes a very special episode because there's that, several that of them. That too. That too. That too. That's, that's the, that's the, when they, that's the, I guess that's the more story heavy version, but then when they don't have any story, it's just Person X comes to invade and then they get yeah. stopped and then Portal closes and Nightwolf doesn't do anything. Yeah. So. He, he gets a couple episodes, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically, it is the Mortal Kombat 3 universe, so Mortal Kombat tournament has happened. As Raiden reminds us at the beginning of every episode, he says, much has changed since much the last Mortal Kombat tournament. Uh, and we assume that the events of Mortal Kombat 3 happen kind of in canon to the games. We have the Chosen Warriors, which, you know, are almost everybody from Mortal Kombat 3. You got Liu Kang, Katana, Striker, Jack, Sonya, Sub-Zero, oh, uh, Nightwolf, and yes, our, our favorite good boy, Kiva. You know, um, his best boy. Yeah, w- yeah. Which also another thing about this being Mortal Kombat three very specifically is the inclusion of Striker in the cast and not Johnny Cage, 
which is always yeah because Johnny Cage is fucking dead. I just needs yep. to be said he's fucking dead. He's fucking dead. Yep. He didn't get his neck snapped in glorious 4K. Uh, I thought that would have been 4K back then in 1997. But you know he is by the games it. canon <laughs> dead. I'm pretty sure he can add a Blu-ray Blu-ray upscale. Um, so yeah, instead we got uh, yeah Striker. Who, who says his famous phrase, Strike Force! Like once? <laughs> uh, twice, actually. He does say it twice. Um, doesn't stick as much as combat time! Uh, but yeah, basically, uh, instead of being wanderers in uh, the empty world uh, in the rapture, like the story of MK3 is, they banded together with a guidance of Raiden and have a secret base, which Striker calls MK Headquarters, which does make me scratch my head and be like, wait, so they spell combat with a K in their universe? Or the tournament, <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, they did that I joke so. in the 2021 movie, too. You know, Louis Tan's like, you spelled it wrong. They approach it here, oh, yeah, too. He say that, yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, Stryker, you know, says, we can't bring Sub-Zero to MK headquarters. Very strange. But, yeah, so they have a big giant cave inside of a cliff face. And they got a giant uh, supercomputer that Nightwolf runs. Uh, I feel it was kind of an attempt to make Nightwolf not a stereotypical Native American description, which, you know, Ed Boon and John Jabais tried to do, too, by just making a magic. But here they're like, no, he's a computer nerd and also a shaman who has this very unspecial episode where he has doubts. He's like, my computation, my computations are always correct. And Raiden thunks him on the head of his stick and be like, you're a shaman, dude. And he finds his true self or some sh- bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that and, means, yeah, basically, I, oh, God, Jeff. I was going to say, like, that being said, like, um, at least, like, the first episode of this show is actually a pretty decent start. Like, it's nothing too memorable, but it does a decent job of introducing the conflict, the characters, and, of course, at, being that it was the first episode, it's the episode where Sub-Zero actually um, joins the team and this is Mortal Kombat MK3 Sub-Zero you know this is uh, what's his name with the red scar over his eye you know it's that one Kualang yeah Kualang yep. and he joins the crew and you know Katana also I think she was already kind of part of the crew but she like more or less also joins as well and yeah I guess the confusion about that is is because the first episode starts in media res and Katana's not with the group and she and Liu Kang just happen to meet up in the middle of battle where she says, good form, Liu Kang, and they eye-fuck themselves for, like, 30 seconds. Yep. Uh, that yep. is kind of unclear. <laughs> she just joined the team or what? Yep. And, and then, of course, there's an explosion in the background, and they hold yeah. the pose. It's very... It's That's very, when they came. It's very cheesy. It's, it's, it's very cheesy, but kind of funny. And then, yeah. you know, and then, you know, Raiden being the, you know, sarcastic not good defender of earth realm that I always consider them has what I consider to be the best quote of the whole damn show, which is kick your jets and jam, kick (laughs) your jets and jam, which he tells everybody to do to get inside their jets and go back to the combat base or go to another world. And this is, this is just kind of the fact that like in this, in this show, Raiden can just open portals to wherever and they can just go there, but nope, they, they have to have jets and there is, well, to be fair, there is an aerial dogfight in this episode, which was actually kind of cool. Yes. That is one disappointing thing is the first two episodes have villains with jets that they can oppose our heroes with. Uh, the first episode is, uh, the Tarkatans. Baraka's not around, but they have a leader called Carbrack, which is just somebody just scrabbled Baraka's 
fucking letters around to make car wreck. It's fucking lazy. Uh, yeah, and they have fucking they have ships, and then Scorpion. They they went to such care of making sure that we know that this is younger Sub Zero. This is a brother. They were loyal to that lore, but they still kept Scorpion as an enemy of his, and they made Scorpion a uh, evil Coke Cobra GI Joe villain. That yes, trained his resurrected skeleton medieval warriors to fly scorpion shaped jets, and they have a nice little dogfight there. And then that's the last episode that does shit like that. And having jets is a moot point, yeah, because Raiden can open a portal. But I will say he opens portals to other worlds. I don't know if he could teleport them to other locations in Earth. So that's why they need the dragon jets. When oh hey New Mexico, let's go kick your jets and jam. Maybe that's why. But they still become moot because there's literally episodes. Where Raiden opens a portal and they fucking fly the dragon jets through the portal. It's like, why even fucking take the jets at that point? It's yeah. Stupid. Yep. And like, and also, like, they're warriors. They're defenders of Earthrealm. The only people that would probably actually know how to fly these jets is like Striker, Sonya, and Jax. I, there's no reason Katana, Liu Kang, or Nightwolf would ever know how to fly these jets. Well, well, they show. I mean, they they, they do mention they address at some that. Point. Yeah, he says like. I'm more of a fighter than a pilot or something like that. Yeah. And Katana's like, we all have to train in the Dragon Jets. So it's like, you know, they're, they're getting... a good, that's a good thing to put in there. Yeah. That, you know, wow, that, that showed some good writing there that, hey, why is this Kung Fu guy without a shirt and a headband where, flying a fucking jet? Well, it's because he's got to. He's got to train. It is funny that the, 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 the characters that don't wear shirts in the game, like, they just don't give them any clothes, like, in the show. At all, like yeah, because they the want to keep them on brand with the with the with the games. But in the movies, they like they're all dressed with clothes. Yeah, because the movie would look really stupid if they were dressed like video game characters. But this is a Saturday morning cartoon, and you know, the kids yeah, well, the kids won't yeah. recognize Liu Kang if he's wearing a tank top and he do- doesn't have his headband on. You know, it's true. It's true. So all the characters are more or less on brand, except for uh, Katana. Strangely, she. She's kind of a weird mix of the MK3 costume and the movie appearance. Like, she's mostly modeled after Talisa Soto, I feel. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Because her costume's not blue, it's black, just like in the MK95 movie. She's got the kind of little um, boob window that the uh, MK3 outfits have, but not nearly as wide and revealing. And she wears no masks. You know, because Talisa Soto didn't wear a mask, so she's kind of a marriage of those two appearances. Ah, uh, true. And then Sonya, also, weird that's the two female characters. Sonya is a weird mix of MK1 Sonya and MK3 Sonya. Yeah, a little bit. Wait, where's the MK1 part? Because the hair? The one part is it's the hair and the uniform, because what, MK3 Sonya has the white fringe on her top. Uh, but she also has black and white stripes on her pants. This Sonya does not have that. This Sonya is just all green, and it looks more like Elizabeth Malecki in MK1 and her hair. MK3 Sonya's hair is tied back in a ponytail, which here it's down more like MK1 Sonya. So much detail. Yeah, so much detail. And yeah, they took out the stripes. So very strange. And then Jax looks like Jax, except he doesn't have a mustache. You know, Jax always had that like- little military... Yeah, well, mustache. I mean, that's, that's just that's more of a '90s thing. I guess. Well, so is the flat top. He's still got that. Yeah, but I feel like uh, less lines equals less work for animation. So they probably just like, you know what? Just give her, just have her have like just green tights, not no lines or whatever. Yeah, that's probably it. 
And everyone else looks about on brand. Yeah. Um, except Nightwolf doesn't have his eye makeup because it only appears on his face when Kiva, his best pup, uh, jumps in his fucking chest and gives him the power of magical green uh, energy bows and axes, although he uses them without Kiva, I think, at one point, too. So I really? don't really know what purpose Kiva serves. Yeah, I'm pretty hmm. sure he pulls out his green energy bow while Kiva is not in him at some point. That was a weird decision, too. Yeah. There's a there's a, there's a few weird decisions in this show. Yes. But long and short of it, uh, you know, every episode is a Monster of the Week episode where you get a walk-on roll from a random character from Mortal Kombat 3 specifically. Shao Kahn's in the background. He appears in a few episodes kind of as the, you know villain behind the curtains but he doesn't really do jack shit until the final episode which is about overthrowing Shao Kahn and that shit doesn't go well uh and we kind of end on a cliffhanger and the show never fucking continued much like conquest and your, your mileage may vary on some of these episodes that's true should we go over some of them just like real quick. yeah I was going to say, do we, do we want to go over uh, some of the episodes, uh, or do we want to go over the, the voice cast? Episodes first, then voice cast. Okay. All right. Cool. Like, so, uh, the standout ones, we don't want to go through, like, blow, blow, blow every single episode, I'm assuming. I mean, we can name them, though, at least. I can, I can, I have them, some of them listed, so we can just, I yeah, just name them. Yeah, I got them, them up, and, too. Uh, so, yeah, episode one is Combat Begins Again, which is the one that we described with Sub-Zero joined the, and Katana joined the team, but also... Uh, we see Cyrex and Sector trying to invade the Earth realm, honestly. which doesn't make any fucking sense because they're Lin Kuei and they're from the Earth. And Scorpion apparently is on the way. They tease Scorpion in this episode because in episode yep. two we get the sting of the Scorpion. Yeah. All the, the only dun, notes dun, I have dun, in the sorry. <laughs> the only notes that I have for this episode is that Earth realm is the gateway to all the realms. And that scorpion oh, yeah. attacks. I don't know what else happens in this episode. Wasn't there a combat time in episode two? Combat time or two? Huh? Didn't didn't Sonya say combat time? Oh, I just I just tallied them all together. I don't know which oh, okay. episodes they happen. <laughs> yeah, it really is kind of weird that like in this cartoon they established that Earthrealm is basically the gateway or the or like or the center point between all realms. So Earthrealm is a roundabout. So if you're just driving your car from one realm to another, <laughs> Earth is the roundabout that you have to kind of go around, and then you get pretty off much. whatever yeah. realm you're going yeah, towards. Yeah, pretty much. Which is kind so, of a neat little bit know. of lore, and I don't know if it's pulled from something John Tobias noted or, or not. Or if it's used again, it, uh, really. Is it? Used huh? to, is that concept used again? Um, I don't know. It may have been hinted at. So I always thought that you could just go between any realm. But this is saying that you got to go through Earth to get to any other realm. Yeah, or that you you could you could skip Earth, but Earth's way more convenient because they're just apparently it's portal fabric is thin or something like that, dimensional uh, fabric. Uh, I don't know. It's a neat concept. I like it, and it's a nice lore explanation for why so many baddies are so interested in Earth besides yeah. our water and our beautiful forests. But yeah, I don't know what else happens in episode two besides Scorpion attacking. And they have a song. Yeah, Josh has the song. I will say that, like, Scorpion, when I when I heard him, really reminds me of Skeletor. Like, he kind of does. He sounds like an 80s cartoon villain. And just, like, even by, even, even by, even by 90s cartoon standards, that, that felt just very phoned in. <laughs> um, yeah. Even for Scorpion. 
I just I just thought that was just kind of funny. Like when he first started talking, I'm like, oh, you, by all the powers of evil, I will not stop till yeah. I have my revenge. Yeah. Yeah, like I half expected Scorpion to say something like, and now I shall complete my evil plan to blow up the ocean. And yeah. or something yeah, well, like I mean, he does really have scorpion like shaped jets and everything, so yeah, he could have done that. He does have some good lines though. Does he ever say get over here? Yeah, he says it twice, dude. Yeah, he does say it twice in the show. And, and that, it, for, right after not, that line I said, he uh-huh. says, get dot 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 over here. And then, uh, yeah, he ropes up Liu Kang and he says a more appropriate get over here. But it's, it's not Ed Boon. No, it's not Ed Boon. It's, uh, spoilers, it's uh, Ron Perlman. So it's one of the few times that Ed Boon doesn't voice Scorpion. I guess, yeah, it might be the first. Yeah. Maybe not counting uh, some other outside media. I don't know about Federation of Martial Arts when that came out. But yeah, it might be. Or The Journey Begins. Um, One thing I did notice about this episode, Josh, is the... um, uh, Or actually, it was in the first episode, the second episode, and I think it's in the third too, but they really kind of like, kind of really throw these big musical numbers like, it has begun. Well, only in episode two. Yeah. Well, it's in a, some of it's in episode one as well, and it's in episode two. But that like completely just dies, and it just becomes pretty standard reusable music. Yeah, I, the rest I wish the they show. put in more songs. And I, I don't know what you're thinking about in episode one, Jay, because I don't remember a song. Episode two has well, two it has uh, "Deeper Down" by Sister Machine Gun, which kicks in when Scorpion's goons attack everybody in the cave, and is I love it. It's just fucking rocking, and everyone's fighting, and Jack's. Breaks a guy's bones and waits five seconds to say, gotcha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then when Liu Kang is the one to defeat Scorpion, they play a song by Psychosonic. And they're both from the Mortal Kombat, More Combat album that was a companion piece to the 95 movie soundtrack. Basically, when that went platinum, Lawrence Kasanoff of Arabia was like, more combat. And so they made another album with, uh, you know, more, you know, same bands and extra. And they just crammed them into this uh, kid's show. Uh, Not really. Sister Machine Gun is definitely not a kid's uh, friendly band. But I guess that song was. Um, Shame shame there wasn't more attitude like that in the rest of the show. Except for uh, Quan Chi's episode. He has a, a guitar riff for a theme. I don't know what that's pulled from. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, Sting of the Scorpion, I think, was one of the good ones. That episode, I think you guys said you liked the first episode better than that when we when we watched episode two. Yeah. yeah. I did. Sadly, though, like, epi- like moving on at least to episode three is kind of like where we get into Mediocreville. We get the first of many very special yeah. episodes, which I forget what this episode is called, but what it should be called is Jack Should Buy a Mustang. <laughs> that's what that's what it's I- called Acid Tongue. Yeah, it, Acid Tongue, which, you know, of course, Reptile is in that episode, which is cool. It was cool to see him, but it's not the Reptile that yeah, we no, know. Yeah, no, they call it's him a- uh, Komodai. Much like uh, yeah. Carbrack instead of Baraka, this is Komodai, which I don't know if it's supposed to be actual reptile and that's his real name. Although we know his real name is, uh, whatever the fuck his real name is. What's his real name? <laughs> I don't know. They say it in the 2020 movie. It doesn't matter. Or, or it's just another raptor, as Jax refers to them later. Yeah. But yeah, basically this episode, you know, reptile, again, attempts to invade Earth. But then when they're fighting, uh, he his acid damages Jax's arms. Uh, something about a missing control chip or something like that. And basically he loses confidence. And the one note that I have that I want to point out is that Stryker is a bitch. 
in this episode. <laughs> well, in general, was he a bitch in this episode yeah. particularly? I mean, he's a bitch in every episode, but I'm trying to remember. Well, he keeps he keeps whining at Jax to right. Does he keep bitching at Jax about him not wanting to fight or whatever? Get your shit together, Jax. I mean, I don't want to side a striker, but yeah, I mean that's the whole lesson of the did? episode. Is that what right? he did? I can't remember why. I just wrote that he's a bitch. I don't remember why. I remember he was a bigger bitch in the episode where Nightwolf uh, had his very special uh, episode. Him and he's also a bitch towards uh, Sonya in that in that one episode too, right? Where Sonya uh, was like. Uh, Oh, where she injured him because of her... She was combat timing yeah. too much? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Once again, side of striker in that. Sonya was out of... She was, she was out of line. She needed to be, you know, brought back down on peg. Yeah, but he's a he's a street cop. She's a special forces. He's acting like he outranks her. It's stupid. Well, yeah, I don't know. You know why he thinks he outranks her, right? Because she's a woman. Because she's a black thought, yeah, yeah. thought going there, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, he tries to get up on Jax, too. He's a straighten-up soldier, and Jax is like, I'm not your soldier. That's what I mean. He's a street cop, and he keeps telling these, like, special force agents that he... Yeah, maybe, maybe I guess, yeah, he's got a cocky attitude. He's got a big idea about himself. I'm important. I'm defending the Earth realm now. Ar-da-dar. I got the stick and, that uh, closes the portals. I'm yeah, they got me the Raiden... <laughs> Got me some funding to get this closing portal nightstick. Look at me. Strike force. Like, like, which is weird because like you're a street cop with a, like, like, like with a batana and you can close portals that. (laughs) Batana. Dude, that would be sick. What if you had like a nightstick, like a baton, (laughs) but, and it comes out as a goddamn katana. That'd be cool. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be kind of cool. Anyway. But but a baton, sorry. Uh, but yeah, but he, they never explain it either. Stryker just has this what should, what is a very important like device because other than that, the only person who can close portals is Raiden. I mean, why does it need to be explained? It's a Saturday morning cartoon. Everyone's got their gadget. Josh, you're one hundred percent correct. But it's just that their whole point is to push the Outworlders back into the portal. And then close it. And they don't have multiple ways of doing this. It's just Stryker's baton. That's it. That's it. Other than Raiden. Maybe that's why he feels so important. Because he's the one that's got the lone tool. Except for Raiden. Who's I feel not like if anybody around. should yeah. have that tool, it should be Nightwolf. He's the yeah, tool, right? Yeah, for real. I agree, actually. <laughs> well, his problem anyway. is he's always back on the fucking base. Anyway. Anyway, Jax gets his groove back by the end of the episode. Yeah, he learns this lesson, but he's also like, but I'm going to keep these arms around anyway. Which is pretty much the exact same the exact same plot from Annihilation. He goes through the exact yeah. same arc. Except Annihilation, he, he doesn't get his arms back because they're they're busted. And he yeah. learns it, to live with it. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Here he's like, they get him fixed. And he's like, I understand I'm more than just my arms, but it's good to have around. Mm-hmm. Which, hey, I can't blame him. Yeah. Episode four is called Skin Deep, and it's the one where we learned that Rain and Kitana were engaged at one point, uh, and Liu Kang is worried about not have not being able to age because he's the champion, which is another interesting bit of lore. Yeah, yeah, that was a cool thing to think. Uh, I, I did wish they kind of went into that a little bit more. Yeah, I should have fucking researched into that because it comes up in Conquest and it comes up in the three D era games. I don't know the origin of that lore. Probably is John Tobias, and they used it for this. But either way, I think that's the first mention of it. It's really cool. Yeah. But anyway, like, yeah, Rain and Katana working together. 
makes Liu Kang a little bit jealous. Rain doesn't use his powers at all in this episode. No. He doesn't do anything. His power is being a snide bitch. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, Motaro shows up. Yes. Very briefly. Uh, Striker and Liu Kang fight him for a bit. Yeah. That's all I got. Striker and Liu Kang have a nice little moment, too. Uh, and then, yeah, they team up and high five after tricking Motaro to run off uh, the edge of a building. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's all I got. That was an okay episode. Not big on that. Yeah. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to write home about. I really didn't I really didn't have much to say about episode four other than the lore stuff. But one thing that this show tends to do, because you'll see like a trend throughout the show, is that basically the villain of the week is usually another MK3 character. And that's pretty much yeah. for all of them. Yeah. Yeah, true. So, so far we have... Uh, well, occasionally they drop in an original OG character, uh, uh, which will come later yeah. down. But yeah, so far we had Rain, Scorpion, Reptile... Uh, Baraka, I guess. Cyrex and Sector, yeah. Uh, and then episode five uh, is my favorite episode. Yeah, you take this one. I'll take this one because this is my favorite episode and no one fucking seems to like it. <laughs> Neil and Corey didn't like it. You guys didn't like it. It still makes me be like, damn, it's old friends never die. And it's, it's a Sub-Zero special episode. And it is probably one of the few episodes that is very strictly MK3 canon and doesn't have any original story bullshit because it's basically, it's half of the episode is a retelling of Kwai Lang's Sub-Zero's backstory with Smoke being his best bud and them escaping the Lin Kuei and it comes up because there's a portal opening and you know Sub-Zero knows what it is and everyone makes him explain it and then the second half of the episode is him going to meet Smoke by himself to try and see if he still has a soul and you know the evil Lin Kuei leader is there to try and trap him and then his buddies come to try and save him and yeah it's it's got all the problems of the rest of the show shitty animation shitty one-liners uh I thought it was emotionally resonating especially at the end when uh Smoke does not keep him as his friend he says he wakes up but he says uh you're an enemy of Lin Kuei so we cannot be friends but I will honor our oath and their oath is they would not fight each other and then Stryker comes up, you know, after everything's over, and he's like, are you okay? And Sub-Zero goes, physically. I'm like, damn, goddamn, man. <laughs> right in the fucking feels. <laughs> I actually thought that was a good episode, though. Oniro, uh, our first OG character besides uh, the goodest of boys, Kiva, is the apparently the head of the Lin Kuei. I think he's almost been canonized. I think they referenced him later, too. His uniform definitely is. He can shapeshift, too. Not like Shang Tsung, but he can shapeshift into animals. And uh, he's the one that turns like the crow or whatever. He turns into a eagle or a hawk, I think. He turns into a dragon and a panther. Gotcha. Pretty cool. And I don't know. It just it is a good self-contained episode that didn't have anything to do with dragon jets and secret bases or any of that shit. It's just an MK3 story. And it was pretty cool. And I liked smoking it too. We got to see. Interesting to note, we see human sector and Cyrax. Who uh, Sector is uh, black and Cyrax is white or Asian when it's switched in the uh, actual game. So once you rule that Cyrax is actually uh, black, um, I don't know if that was this was influenced that decision. And then of course Smoke we see a mask and I think he looks cool. He looks like a swarthy Italian dude. He's got like this little tiny mustache. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's cool. I don't know something about the episode just fell flat for me. Really. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it wasn't as well done as it was in that... Uh, Battle for the uh, Realms? Was it Battle... Yeah. 
Well, the problem of Battle for the Realms is there was no closure. Yeah, that's the only thing, yeah. As we pointed out in our episode on that, it's like smoke just kind of disappeared. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, the ending for this one is definitely better, but I don't know. Something about it, I don't know. I think it was because like, at this point, I'm just like, man, I'm already kind of tired of the show. So I, I, <laughs> when I got to that episode, I was kind of like, this is like, uh It doesn't really resonate with me because I don't really care about Sub-Zero in this show. My only thing about this episode that I re- very much enjoyed, which Yassine and I both laughed at, is that Cyrax like basically captured Sub-Zero in his net. He's down oh, yeah. on the ground, and then like Sector just shoots a missile at him, <laughs> when, like almost at point-blank range, really, and then it just blows up in his face, and it just knocks him out, no scratch on him. It just happened so quick and abruptly that it was just funny. It's just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a good combo. It's just a one-two punch of net... Net, net missile and then missile and it's like well why wouldn't you do that obviously that's that that'll that's knock totally a motherfucker out yeah it's comedic timing it's like one of the most the best comedic timing timing thing yeah in agreed <laughs> uh yeah you guys did blow up at that part actually <laughs> um but yeah i i wish i liked it more than i did eh, it's it's okay you know they should like the finale which is my second favorite episode and uh, yeah. you said you're getting tired of the show. Boy, that's only episode five. Are, are, do we want to go keep going beat by beat through each episode? Or do we want to speed it up through them? And just we can speed it up talk. a bit. Let's speed it up a bit. But uh, unless there's something we want to say about the episode, if it actually stuck out. Uh, so, yeah. Episode six is Familiar Red. This is the this is the episode where Nightwolf, there's like multiple rips in the world and they keep blaming Nightwolf. Oh, yeah. This is the Nightwolf right. special episode. Yep, another very yeah. special yeah. episode. And we also get our first look at both Shao Kahn and Kano. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which actually, this episode, was, the setup was kind of boring. I didn't like this episode so much. Although I did like the yeah, Nightwolf got to get his uh, confidence back beat, I guess. And yeah, this is the one where Jackson and Sonya are, or no, not Jackson and Sonya, Stryker and Sonya are just fucking awful to him. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, Nightwolf, yeah. why don't you get your shit together? I'm sick of going out chasing portals that don't show up. Fucking dumbass. Also, there, also there is <laughs> like, you know, not that we'll never actually praise the animation in the show, but there's just some things that are just so bad we have to point them out. And episode six is the episode where there's a pretty egregious animation mistake, like where it's very, very simple to where like there's a shot where Sonya gets knocked back and falls down. She's like basically laying on her back and on her elbows. Kano is you know, basically on the other side of her and the camera is situated just like just barely behind Sonya's back looking at Kano um, as Kano's talking to her. So if you visualize that from a perspective, you've got Sonya, like you've got Sonya in the foreground, you've got Kano in the midground, you know, looking smaller to the perspective and then you got the background. And because, and the animation mistake is that they put the cell that Kano is on in the foreground, they put Sonya in the midground, and then they have the background as the background. So it looks like that Kano is talking to a pile of air while being basically half it, half his his regular size to a very giant Sonya laying on her back, not even looking at him. It's a very egregious animation mistake, and all it, and all it would take to fix that is that you just switch the animation cells. That's all you have to do. Just put one cell in front of the other, and boom, that's fixed. But they didn't do that, and that's, again, a sign that your show is very rushed, and they're just trying just to put it out there, and no one did a quality check. 
Yeah. There's probably someone like, God damn it, Johnson! <laughs> when they saw the, the you know, air yeah. on the TV. And it's not like, and they hold this shot. Yeah. It's not like it's a blink and you may miss it. They hold this shot. They really do. It's 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 pretty bad. Kate, Kato, I think, says like one full line of dialogue while this shot's just there. And it's just like, uh, it's just very, it, like, it's egregiously bad. So... I'm also not a big fan of the Kano in this uh, show. Nor am I. He's in this and one other episode. Yeah. They really lean into the Australian accent, and I, I, like I'm sorry. Generic, he's one of the actors I didn't look up. I don't know who played him, but I, I will note that uh, it's interesting. He's another amalgamation of looks too, because he's wearing his MK3 costume, but they gave him a coatee because he has a beard and other games. So it's right, uh, right. Odd that they made that choice. I don't know why, but. Yeah. Otherwise, he looks like MK3 Kano, and he's really annoying. And he says "baby" probably. 50, well, boy, boy, we should have done a tally marker. How many times he says "baby"? Uh, Even Sonya yeah. says it to mock him. Yeah, shitty episode. Um, yeah, it wasn't a good episode on. at all. Uh, next episode is "Fall from Grace," which is the one where you know uh, Strider gets hurt because of Sonya, and then basically bitches at her for the whole episode. Yeah, it literally is because she said "combat time." I think. <laughs> <laughs> she, said, she said combat time and started to run. And then, yeah, he got shot by a fireball from a Shokan, which knocks yeah. him the F out somehow. I don't know. He's useless. Uh, Sub-Zero can get blown up by a missile, right? And it defeats him, kind of, but he still can get up and fight when his friends come and rescue him. Striker gets hit by a fireball and it like breaks his arm and he has to be in a cast for the whole episode. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. This episode, Striker just will not get off Sonya's case, and he is being, he's very much being a jerk in this episode. Well, like I said, she did fuck up. She said combat. Well, time. like, she, she did, but what I kind of <laughs> like, if, if there's one thing I did like about this episode, though, is that I did like the Sonya kind of reflects on what, like, she actually hates doing what she's doing because the fighting is just endless. Like, she has responsibility. Yeah. But oh, I boy. did actually like her having that sort of rendition to say, like, you know, I would love to just quit, and then the and then the fighting, and then the endless fighting, like, would be over. You can ca- that's how the episode ends. Yeah, you kind of get the feeling that like that this team, you know, they're doing this day in day out, and then Sonya in particular is just feeling burnout. Like she's just feeling burnout, and she's not she's not the only one either. Like I think all the other characters give like drop hints. Of feeling burnout from doing this all the time. I know Katana. I know Katana drops it. Liu Kang drops a hint or two here and there. Jax does too. Um, probably the only one who doesn't is Raiden, but Raiden's a jerk in my opinion. <laughs> so he's a god anyway. He don't care. Yeah. He doesn't tire. Yeah, uh, yeah that is kind of a little bit of real world messaging there uh, that almost lifts the show. The episode is kind of cool seeing uh, you know Sonya and Stryker work together. Stryker's the man in the chair this time because Nightwolf goes out to fill a spot, right? And he and Sonya work together. He he does the Matrix thing where he's like, okay, they're at Sector B and Sonya, you know, traps the Shokan and they work together. But yeah, then, yeah, at the end, Sonya did such a good job that Stryker, like you said, you see, you know, somehow assuming authority over Sonya. I don't know who fucking made him leader. And he says she's reinstated. Uh, and yeah, that's where she drops the fucking downer. She's like, he's like, I thought you'd be happy because she's all sad faced. And she's like, I am, but at the same time, it would have been great to, you know, have escaped all the endless fighting. And everyone just has an aw man face, and the fucking episode ends. It was like, damn, that's a little dark for yeah. Saturday morning cereal selling kids show. 
But I mean, that's an important lesson, kids. Fighting is, you know, I know, I know you're watching the show because you like fighting with your Mortal Kombat characters, but it's not all it's cracked up to be. There are consequences for it. You know, don't fight. Look to peace. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, episode eight is the secret of Quan Chi, uh, which, by the way, has the best thumbnail on the YouTube channel. Yep. Uh, uh, what was that anyway? I don't remember. I pressed play so fast. It's, it's the it's the shot of uh Quan Chi's like elongated face like going oh when he screams at the yeah. end yeah yeah uh, but yeah it's basically the episode it's basically like that part in the first Avengers movie where the gem makes them all angry at each other <laughs> so it's basically that uh, yeah Quan Chi turns to a kid to hypnotize them and then they all get angry at each other and Sonya and Jax get really personal with the insults and apparently Jax oh, is yeah. insecure about his weight as a kid which i don't know that stonia keeps like poking the bear until he just mentions her, her dead partner and it's like oh shit. yeah it's like damn jack style it down <laughs> yeah. a bit that is not an appropriate response yeah once again they are children yeah yeah they yeah they are children ja- Jax is definitely a savage but i like how sonia just doesn't really like she, she does no react to, to it she she doesn't know how to react she turns around yeah. and is like god damn man yeah yeah <laughs> and then and then they just drop it. I'm just like, no, like you don't just drop that. Yeah, like I know she, it- <laughs> she apologizes. Like, now granted, they're all under the uh, uh, influence of the gem, but uh, you know she does nevertheless apologize for making fun of Jax's childhood, uh, you know, nickname that he was given because he was a big kid. He never apologizes for you know saying that she got her partner killed, which was his his rib at her. It's like, yeah, that requires an apology. That was pretty yeah. mean. I also have in my notes here that one fun fact is that um, is that it's mentioned that Satara Satara is the re- is the name of the realm that reptiles race is from, which is yep. uh, th- that may be original to just this show. I don't know if that I, know, I don't know if that carried over when Nether Realms actually took it over, but I did I'm think that was kind of sure. cool that we actually have a name for reptiles realm. We just always knew it was from another realm, but we just never knew what it was called. But in the show, they mentioned that the name of his realm is Satara, which well, is shouldn't cool. be canon because when when. Uh... Outworld conquers a realm, it merges with them, so there is no more Adenia. Adenia is Outworld now, so technically, in true canon, Zatara should be no more. It should be part of Outworld, but in here, it's a separate realm. And whether or not they they knew it was Reptile's realm or not, I don't know, but it is named as Reptile's realm later on in the franchise, for sure. And not a bad episode, either. Uh, Quan Chi, uh, should be said, Quan Chi's debut appearance. I never knew what a Quan Chi was until I saw him in this show, and I'm like, he's a cool villain. And turns See, out they were already... This is his first uh, appearance in the whole franchise? In the whole franchise. They may have already had... Plan- he was... Okay. Episode's pretty still lame. It's another very special episode, right? Pretty much. But you gotta admit, Quan Chi was pretty cool. and Because yeah, he has Quan that Chi thing he never cool. does... He never does... Well, one, he's got that cool guitar riff for his theme. Every time he shows up... Dun, yeah, dun, 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 dun. And he has a power he never used in the games. That staff, which is a snake which opens its mouth and spills out a dozen more snakes, which opens their mouths and spills out even more snakes. And he calls it my pet. <laughs> he talks to it the whole time. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I think Quan Chi was already a conception by John Tobias bef- as the show was coming out, and they just chose this show to be his debut. I don't think it's a waste. He's cool. And then, yeah, Mortal Kombat 4 comes out a year later. Or a year or two yeah. later. Uh, yeah, let's move on. To episode nine, Resurrection. 
Shao Kahn revives uh, Shang Tsung, beats the crap out of him, and tells him you got one more chance. And basically, I think he just he just challenges Raiden because Raiden's powers are blocked for some reason, and he challenges him to Mortal Kombat. And then Raiden and Jax have a heart to heart because of his lack of powers or whatever. Which I don't remember why that it's, was it's, the case. Well, I think part of it is because apparently Jackson and Raiden and Sonya and Raiden uh, both have a love-hate relationship. And Jax just yeah. happened to be the one that noticed that something was wrong with Raiden. He was the only one that was looking yeah. and saw... So, you know, he was the one that, you know, Raiden confided in then. And it's an odd couple situation because, you know, they Jax ribs on him so much. That's kind of funny. Yeah. I didn't I didn't re- recognize the sound effects for Shang Tsung's fireball, which is pretty cool. All oh, right, what was game. that? They use it from the game, the fireball. Oh, that's right, they do. The yeah. screaming. Uh, Raiden does a baseball throw, which I noted for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> he does like a wind up and everything, and then there's a mysterious character at the end. Yeah, yes, there's a mysterious character at the end, which I don't remember who that was supposed to be. Uh, I'm. I was wondering if you guys would bring that up because I remember when we watched the episode, it's like, who the fuck's that? And I just assumed, oh, he's gonna come up later in the show, right? And then it never did, and you guys never asked about it again because we probably all forgot about it. I looked it up after we watched that episode. Uh, this yeah. is a famous crossover episode. Uh, oh. It was a- actually a crossover with the Street Fighter cartoon. Uh, oh, with, that's the thing with the orb. Yeah, and Wing Commander Academy and uh, Wing Commander Academy. And what was the other one? Uh, Savage Dragon. The only through line was the orb. In each episode of this crossover, the orb arrives and fucks shit up, causes trouble. And the mysterious figure who is never ID'd is someone who's crossing from realm to realm to try to uh, keep the orb from getting into trouble. Wait, where was the orb in this episode? That was what caused Raiden to lose his powers. And Shang Tsung was able to control the weather. (laughs) Oh, Oh, so so again, if you want to learn more about this, if you want to learn more about this crossover, go over to MK Podcast because they review each episode in the yes, they did crossover. I did not go that far. I did not bother. I wouldn't have minded seeing, especially the Street Fighter version of it. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't uh, go that far. Didn't do the research. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's inconsequential. Uh, It would have been cool if they would have had like fucking portal open up and Guile comes in. You know. Yeah, and he and Stryker fist bump or something like that. I Imagine, yeah. Imagine that would have been the only time that those two big franchises ever crossed paths. Right? How cool would have that been? That would have been awesome. Yeah, that missed would have been opportunities. Great. Yeah, very yeah. missed opportunities. But yeah, that was an okay episode. If if there's ever a blow up the ocean episode, uh, you know, i.e., if episode that is so '90s Saturday morning cartoon, it hurts. It's this one. Even though yeah. we get Shanks, we get Shao Kahn, we get Shang Tsung back in that hilarious uh, resurrection scene. Uh, yeah. His his plot literally is, you know, he ends up trapping the heroes in a ravine that he opens up because he can control the weather now, and that that stalls them. They're hanging in a ravine and they can't climb out. And he's like, "I'm gonna fucking hang you there until Raiden <laughs> comes and shows himself." It's just so silly. Which is funny to say because I can't count the amount of times. Somebody climbs the side of a cliff or a mountain in this Right, show. yeah. You were joking that, like, uh, up to episode four, every episode has somebody climbing a cliff, including my favorite episode, Sub-Zero Climbs, a very yeah. long cliff to get to where he's going. And the animation never gets better. 
Well, Sub-Zero had a problem here because they humorously, humorously point out since there's lava down below, it's hot and Sub-Zero's energy is getting uh, sapped because he can't oh, right. stand the heat. He's like Jay. Yep. Yep. A little bit. Which actually is a great like lead into you know, episode 10 because episode 10, you know, they also climb things um, in episode 10 as well. But Do it they? is another... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They climb up like the tower or whatever because this is the girl power episode. It's um, it's yeah. also an, it's also a very special episode because so how many very um, special episodes have we had now? Jesus Christ, a lot, a lot, <laughs> yeah. a lot, a lot. But in this one, like Sonya's going through some, you know, some fe- basically some female withdrawal. She wants like like she wants some girl talk and. Katana is not exactly the most talkative type. Katana's the weird girl at school that no one talks to, so Sonya's like, I'm yep. not going to talk to her. Yep, yep, but, you know, as fate would have it, she she decides to try, and Katana has to go get, like, a sword that that was separated into two, or two, it's two swords that are basically this all-powerful weapon that can, like, blow up the ocean. That's apparently <laughs> what they can do. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, but apparently, both these swords, she hid them away separately, and one person from Adini, I think, that she used to know, which is an original character in this show, uh, yep. this is one Actually, of those episodes that has her. an original character. Her name yeah, is Zara. Yeah. Zara. Yeah, 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 Zara, and she she's uh, she's every bit like Amazonian warrior badass yep. woman. She's kind of cool. And they make and she makes uh, Katana and Sonya go get the other sword because Katana knows where it's hidden, and Sonya just tags well, along because they also it, have Jacks trapped in a bubble too. That's yeah. that's their bargaining chip. Which I believe at this point in episode ten, this is the third time that Jax has been kidnapped. So Jax has become the damsel in distress in this Wait, show. What? It's kind of funny. <laughs> he, yeah, because like wasn't... yeah. Yeah, because like I didn't he get. I think he also technically got kidnapped um, in his in Jax's own very special episode when he didn't well, have his Sonya arms. Sonya got kidnapped in that one. Jax got thought, lured to go look for his arms, and Sonya because remember the final battle was. Oh no! Wait, God, I can't remember now. There was a point where Sonya was chained up, and Jax used the acid from Reptile. He let him spit on a rock, and then he held the rock up to Sonya's chains and freed him. But there was also a scene where Sonya came. To his rescue, so maybe you're right, but I don't know the second time Jax was kidnapped. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it was actually like I think it I think it may have been the Quan Chi episode or an episode before that, but he got yeah. captured again. I mean, he was quickly free, but he did get captured again. And then okay. in this one, he, and in this one, he gets put into like a bubble, a bubble yeah. that's just sapping the air out of him. And you know, I think like it's it's kind of okay, kind of meh. It definitely had a lot of animation errors. The way the way that this chick's face was drawn at times was just kind of like weird. <laughs> um, a Everyone's bit. face but, is weird in this show. <laughs> yeah, 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 a little bit. But yeah, it pretty much was like you know, like basically the the episode that focuses on the girls of the team. But I think my favorite part of it is that you know Katana mentions how she has to keep these two swords apart because you know if they ever come together one can rule the world and blow up the ocean apparently so the so what she decides to do is that when she finally gets the sword and she's like okay i need to like get rid of these two swords and like separate them again and actually fulfill my vow to always keep them separate she just chucks them in a portal to someplace that's all she does yeah that's what you do in the show just, uh, <laughs> As to be noted, uh, uh, several characters get thrown into a portal as a way to dispose of them, too, rather than killing them, uh, to the realm yeah. of no return. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's where this sword's going. 
I kind of figured that if you have a weapon that powerful, like, why not use it? Like, hey, Shao Kahn, hey, Earthrealm under because siege. Because it's, it, it's a moral and, and question, Jay. I guess so. power the, corrupts absolutely. But also, these swords can open portals. So you yeah, don't have to rely do on Striker's Baton. <laughs> like, you don't <laughs> have to rely on Striker's Baton closing them. Or you don't you don't have to rely on Raiden. You, you can just kick Raiden to the side and be like, we got these swords, bro. We can just go and, like, take out, take out everybody. Like, hmm. why not? But like, you know, I'm just surprised power, they didn't try that. That's power that no mortal should have. And remember, Striker, I don't know if he can open portals. He can just close them. But, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe that's a responsibility thing. Yeah, but but obviously the swords can close portals, too. They can open them and close them. So that means you have another tool. You don't just have to rely on Striker's Baton and Raiden to do it. Yeah. And Raiden can sometimes just be, like, basically AWOL. Like, he's just not he's just not around for whatever reason sometimes. Yeah, he's and consulting like, the Elder Gods sometimes. It's yeah. a meme that yeah. I must consult the Elder Gods, but he literally says that at one point. He's like, sorry, I was with the Elder Gods. Uh, you know, he's got yeah. important shit to do. Yeah. But, you know, at least I can say episode 11. Episode 11 is kind of tropey, but still, like, it was better. Um, I like episode 11, actually. Yeah, I think we all liked episode 11, which is the introduction of Cabal. Uh, in uh, The episode title is called Amends. And it's one of the only ones where we see civilization. It starts in a theater, and I think they chose a theater because they decided Cabal was the Phantom of the Opera. Yep. Yep. Who has this tragic, you know, he can't show his face and all that. Oh, and this is another very special episode because the whole, you know, Sonya and Cabal form a bond because Cabal's former Black Dragon, and he's trying to fight against Kano too, who guess what shows up again in this episode? Yay, don't care much for Kano. But they bond, and Sonya, you know isn't too upset by Cabal's appearance because he takes off his mask at one point. And and talking about it, she tells a story about when she was in grade school, there was a girl that got in an accident and had to be bound to a wheelchair. And all the kids started treating her differently and it upset her. She's like, why do they got to treat her so different from just because of that chair? Obviously trying to pick a story that, you know, maybe a kid could relate to. And Cabal's like, I understand. And it's, you know, message... Yeah. Don't, don't judge people because they got a googly face. Also in this episode, I find it really kind of funny that the writers in the show don't even try to hide the fact that Sonya and Cabal got googly eyes for each other and oh, yeah. they are so yeah, they are so into each other. Like it's really funny. Like even the team knows it. <laughs> I ship I ship Sonya and Cabal. It makes perfect sense. They got, you know, uh they got related stakes, you know. They've both been hurt by the black dragon and they bond over that. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's not it's not it's not the worst pairing, and I kind of gotta give credit really to Mortal Kombat in general, big time. Where like you would think that because Sonya and Jax hang around each other so much that they would be a thing, but no, they are one hundred percent. I'm glad they're and, not. They are like Chris yeah. Redfield and Jill Valentine. They are very yep. much perfect platonic pair. I've liked it though because in, in like in like in Mortal Kombat where things get retconned and stuff is redone. They've definitely kept the relationship between Sonya and Jax like the, pretty much well, the exact you know, same. Like pretty much yeah. the entirety of the like of everything. She fell so. for Johnny anyway. So you know. Yeah, yeah. But I mean like Which, but she's also RIP. like in yeah, but also like in this like in this show, Johnny's not there and she falls for, you know, Cabal. So it kind of sh- so we we can establish that Sonya has multiple love interests throughout the entirety of Mortal Kombat as a whole, but it's wow. never once been Jax. And Jax is arguably the one that she's closest to. 
um, throughout yeah. the entire series. So, and I find, and I just find that kind of, I kind of find it refreshing that they push a very platonic, you know, but still very close relationship between two people. Yeah. No, definitely. But this is enough. But moving on to episode twelve, um, there oh, we're, actually we're this to one, the end here. Yeah, but yeah, but this one actually. Like it's a it, weird one. Yeah, this is a weird. It's one. another goddamn to... very special episode for yeah. Jax. How many fucking special episodes has he gotten lately? Jesus Christ. Also, also, Josh, Jax gets kidnapped in this episode too, and he gets <laughs> so... kidnapped technically because he gets lured uh, from the team. Also, I should have yep. went back and rewatched the beginning because we were all like, "What?" Because the the episode starts. I watched it. A oh, did you? It's very it literally. He, she, uh, they literally like they end a fight. They hide from the rain. And then immediately she just like, so you're really going to leave, huh? And he's okay. just like, yeah. So I guess it's kind of another in-media res thing. Because I remember he says he didn't hear about his grandfather's death because he was too busy doing his job, fight, fighting. Uh, so that that made it him decide that he's done with uh, the combat life. Yeah. So, you know, Jax is leaving the team. Yeah, he goes back to his home uh, city or whatever. and And guess where the home is? It's, it's in the fucking yeah. desert. Yeah. He specifically does Weird. say the Northwest. And yeah, he is. it's literally a cabin on top of a 200-foot tall plateau. Um, <laughs> like this tiny little platform at the top of the world. Uh, it's like, really? That's where your grandfather lived? Okay, I don't... Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's basically getting ready to hook up with this uh, woman named Ruby, who I think... Is supposed to have taken care of her, his grandfather while on his last yeah, place. Yeah, like I that. didn't know the connection to uh, that. I should watch that. But then again. secretly, he she works for Ermac, which is why her name is Ruby because Red. Yeah. Well, he works for Jack uh, Shao Kahn under Ermac or whatever. Yeah. So Ermac catches, captures Jacks like he said, and in the end, Ruby does you know turn good because she actually does care for Jacks and then helps them escape, and then. Goes to help her people revolt against Shao Kahn. Does she? And then Jax returns to the team. Oh, man, they should have brought her back in the, the next episode. Because Mac returns in the next episode, too. Yeah, they should have. Yeah. Because if she actually was going to go help in a revolt. This episode is also another one of those just, like, throwaway episodes. Of just like Yeah. R- yeah. Ruby, yeah. Though, Ruby, though, did get... Because, funny enough, the the one character, MK3 character, they never introduced in this show. But I, but I kind of feel like that Ruby... Was supposed to be this character, but they changed it. Is Jade Ruby gave me Jade vibes a little bit because Jade, but, J- but oh. Jade- so did um, Zara or whatever her she was from Katana's very special episode. Zara makes more sense. She's also a little half, uh, yeah, because once again, this is a Jack's very special episode, but once again, this ties to Katana because Scarlet apparently, or I'm sorry, whoops, Ruby is uh, apparently one of katana's old allies and she's a little shao Kahn now so yeah there's jade vibes in that and tanya vibes but also probably a reference to scarlet who is the glitched red ninja rumored you know at the time and they just decided to make her scarlet or i'm sorry ruby instead 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I kind of have a feeling that when that that when this episode was originally written, that maybe they were thinking that hey, this is a good way to introduce Jade, but probably just narratively, it didn't make a lot of sense because Jade has more to do with Katana than anything to do with Jack. So, you know, I I, I could see why they changed it, but I still think this that this episode kind of had a little bit of Jade vibes uh, uh, to it for Ruby, since Jade is a bit of a turncoat like character. Yeah, totally is. Um... Makes you wonder why they didn't put Jade in there for either of those episodes. Yeah, they, like they're introducing all types of MK3 characters, but no Jade. So I, I thought that was interesting. I will comment. I thought Air Mac looked badass because he takes off yeah, his mask. He did. And before Air Mac, he's always been an amalgamation of souls. But before he got re-envisioned as this mummy, Air Mac just looks like a really fucking evil biker dude he's he's got earrings he's got kind of a man bun and he's buff and he's got a sneer he looks kind of i like i like air mac in this show he looks cool yeah i'm so cool they brought him back again uh for the next episode the final episode yeah the big finale the granddaddy conclusion to this epic i can't believe it we're already here we're at the end Holy shit! Seven. It's uh, well. We talked an hour and forty minutes. That's why I didn't want to. I didn't want to do a blow by blow, dudes. I didn't yeah. think we needed to, but I guess we couldn't help ourselves. So yeah. Well, the final episode is obviously the best looking episode, and definitely the episode where you're like, "Wait a minute, why does this look different?" But it's actually good for, in my opinion, a few reasons. It. It, like we get to see more of Shao Kahn than any other episode. We actually get to see him kind of fight and we actually get to see his hammer. He actually wields his hammer in this episode, which is actually yes, pretty does. cool. And we get to see what is arguably the best original character um, in this, um, in this entire show that comes out of nowhere, but it's still cool is um, Asgaroth. and Asgaroth is cool. Asgaroth. As- Asgaroth. Asgaroth. Sorry. Fucking Asgaroth. Respect. Yep. Freaking the coolest character in this whole damn show. Yeah, and all sh- literally all Z is is a bird person, but apparently that's all yeah. you got to do. I mean, I'll yeah, admit all you do. he's fucking badass, but uh, maybe it's because he's not just a bird person. He's not like the 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 Rito people from uh, Zelda. He doesn't have wings. He, he's more like the guy from that uh, that show that the Italian Spider Man people made. I forget what it's called. Yeah, you know which one I'm talking about though. They have the eagle character. He's just a human shape. With an eagle head, and he's got a ponytail too, which is awesome. And he wears cool armor, and he's got a, you know, slick British accent, which we'll get into the actors later. I don't want to mention the guest characters before yeah. the main cast, but yeah, Asgarth, hashtag Asgarth, Mortal Kombat twelve, Ed Boon, if you're listening, you know what to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this episode is basically uh, it's about Kitana's father, and uh, she remembers the attack, the Shao Kahn's attack, or whatever. Which they do show um, in a nice then, flashback. Kind of cool to see. Another depiction yeah. of uh, Gerard outside Malibu Comics at this point. Yeah. We get to see the Shokan the again with Shiva being there as well. Which uh, There's two Shivas because one of them is, is Shang Tsung in disguise, obviously. And then I don't really remember what exactly happened as far as like everybody's about to attack everybody. And then Kitana's trying to convince the Shokan to attack... Uh, yeah, as far as she knows, the show kind of already agreed because Shiva's Shiva's yeah. on their side now, but it's really Shang right. Yeah, so then he has, she has to reconvince them, and then there's also Motaro and his people, and she has to convince them as well to attack Shao Kahn. So they all get into like a brawl, 
And Shang Tsung uses this opportunity to also betray Shao Kahn. And then the episode ends. Huh, yeah. Abruptly. <laughs> they just escape and that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a good build up. It's 20 minute shows. Uh, all of these feel like they could have had a little been bit a more time. Dude, that would have been epic. Yeah, they should have made this a two parter. You're right. Yeah. You're also forgetting. So, so yes, yeah, so they, they the sh- as far as they knew, the Shokan agreed to fight with them, but it was really Shang Tsung as a spy for Shao Kahn. Little does Shao Kahn know Shang Tsung's actually planning on betraying him. Anyway, the centaurs come in because Shao Kahn wasn't communicating with the centaurs about all what was going on. Uh, if you recall, there's that one scene where a guy in a robe visits Motaro. He's like, you wanted to see me? And you just see a dude in a robe. That's Raiden. That's oh. what, that was what Raiden was getting up to when he said, you know, because he hints at it later. Raiden went and peeped to Motaro's crew that this coup was going on. Oh. And so that's what brought Motaro in to be like, what the fuck are you doing? And yeah, and then Katana riles them up and gets them to fight each other. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And yeah, and yeah, there's there's a whole freedom force in that world of people who are still loyal to King Gerard. We see them briefly. They're kind of kooky looking creatures. Asgard's yeah. through the whole episode, but he's wearing ninja black as so are Katana and Liu Kang. And, and then the combat team come in and do backup. And, and yeah, and then it ends. And they leave, yeah. Yep. Which feels very underwhelming. It does, but at least it's another canon episode. It's another, like the subs, maybe that's why these are my two favorite episodes, because this deals specifically with MK lore story. It is about Katana's background, King Gerard, and trying to overthrow Kong. Yeah. No fucking, yeah. no fucking magic Saturday morning special episode bullshit. It's just a Mortal Kombat story. And yeah, as we noted, uh, great animation. This is the one episode where the animation all of a sudden looks like it's done by uh, different people. Yeah, everybody looks everybody looks jacked. Their heads are smaller, so they, their bodies look bigger. Yeah, so there's like more shading and detail in the close-ups. I yeah. don't know if I call the animation great. It's better, but I wouldn't call yeah, it's it not great. Like, <laughs> it's not like it's like it's not Avatar: The Last Airbender, but no, it's like <laughs> no, but it's like definitely better than what we got for the last twelve episodes. As a yeah. kid, all I noticed was that everything was more contrasty. Like, there must have been more shadows and shading. But yeah, you guys reacting to it now, it's very clear they're even drawn differently. Like you said, the heads are... Excuse me, I'm just hiccuping. Uh, the heads are smaller. I did do a little research trying to find out... You know, it's like you said, Jay. A lot of studios at the time did overlap and all that. Uh, all I could find was, uh, besides the, uh, what I say, Film Roman studio... Uh, there were also, uh, there was a studio called Animal Yua, Y-U-A. It's a Japanese studio that goes by Animal House, uh, alternatively. They are actually credited in this episode for just the animation and storyboard services, along with another studio, I believe from Taiwan, called Hong Ying. Uh, and then, completely different source, there's an individual named uh, Kazuhiro Arai, and he's credited for background layout design. Uh, so there's a lot of crisscrossing information about who worked on this mm-hmm. episode specifically, but I think it definitely confirms that it is outsourced. I don't know why. I don't know if they got up on their schedule and they needed help or if they wanted to go out with a bang. Cause this one definitely, yeah. uh, animal house is known for their anime style. And this one definitely looks a little bit more anime. Would you say? 
tiny, the, the tiny rest of the bit. show. A tiny bit, like not complete weeb, but you know, a little, a little, little weeaboo, little, little anime, little show. It kind of feels like uh, there, there were some Saturday morning cartoon shows that had like these intros that looked way better than the show actually was, and it was because they <laughs> had been outsourced to like uh, Japan or Korea or Taiwan or something like that. It kind of feels like that. Yeah. And um, I want to say it looks really close to the Street Fighter show, but I'll confess I never watched it. I seen five seconds of it when it happened to come on, uh, when I tuned into Action Extreme Team and Street Fighter was still on, uh, and I didn't watch much of it. But I think it, it could be some of the same animators from that, because I think it looks more closer to that. Hmm. But yeah, that's what I got yeah. um, on that. And that concludes our little summary, I guess, uh, through... He's 13 episode show. Yeah. And yep. just because you heard us summarize him, that shouldn't stop you from going to listen to Neil and Corey, MK Podcast, go even deeper. Or, or, uh, go watch the, the show, man. Go watch the show yourself. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It, every All the episodes are there. It's not like one big, huge, long video. You can watch the individual episodes. There's not there's not just one link to it. There's like, like if you look up Mortal Kombat Defense of the Realm, you'll probably, like, you'll pull up, I think, three separate channels that oh, have the entire show. I that, think. and you'll definitely get some of the uh, abridged-style uh, compilations uh, called Mortal Kombat Defenders of Stupidity, where you'll, you'll get the highlights, the bad highlights, that is. Yeah. You can watch that if maybe to give you an appetizer to see if you want to watch this whole show. But, you know, I'll defend watching the show because uh, at least watch up to episode five. So you can get the, the very tear jerking uh, Sub-Zero Smoke story. You know, get to there at least. Yeah. Did we want to mention anything um, about the um, about the voice cast for this show? Yeah. Uh, let, let's, I guess, talk about the cast. Uh Boy, I almost feel we should have mentioned some of these guys up top because this show does have a, a, a pretty all-star cast list, uh, at least as the main characters. So uh, I guess let's just launch into it. Uh, I don't know how much uh, you guys looked up on these players, so feel free to cut in. I don't want to dominate too much. Jay, you're going to say something? Well, obviously, I think the first one that we have to mention, um, who is a voice acting legend, he's been in a lot of stuff, and he's been around a long time. And you, and even if you don't know his name, you've heard his voice somewhere, and that is the great Clancy Brown, who voices Of course. Rating. We do have to mention him first, because probably out of all the voice actors in the show, I feel like he's probably the most notable one, at least at this point in time. He, like Even by the time of Defenders of the Realm, Clancy Brown had already had a big, massive amount of work. Like You probably know him as Lex Luthor in Superman the Animated Series, and subsequently played Lex Luthor in just about any Warner Brothers, um, Bruce Tim animated anything, for, for, uh, for the most part. If it was Superman, Justice League, whatever... Clancy Brown was Lex Luthor. And of course, he's done, he did, he voiced multiple characters in cartoons in the 90s. There's too many to name. I did not look up his full thing because my note for him is needs no introduction. Was he in Gargoyles at all? Because I think everyone was in Gargoyles at some point. If I, think, I, I think he was, but he, he was, but he wasn't like a main cast member. In right. fact, actually, yes, he was. He was Wolf. Actually, he was. He was Wolf in Gargoyles, who was part of the pack um, okay. in that show. The pack is that one of the opposing uh, yep. teams or something? Okay, he won't be the yep. last person that's been in Gargoyles that I mentioned. But also, uh, uh, no. don't forget, he's also a screen actor too. 
Yep. You have seen him because he's in Shawshank Redemption. He's the warden in that one. He's in John Wick 4, which you guys have yep. seen. I've yet to see. So uh, I don't know what his capacity is that. I remember him from Pet Cemetery 2, where, where the main hero uh, shoots the evil devil-possessed dog as he's coming in for the final confrontation. And evil-possessed Clancy Brown looks at the dead dog and he's like, well, I was building a doggy door. And uh, he was in the A Nightmare on Elm Street remake, which is not notable, but just that's what's in my memory. And he is an you know, infinite amount of other stuff. But yeah, of course, Jay, quite familiar with him because, yeah, Lex Luthor. And he's a perfect Raiden. He's a great voice actor. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. I don't. I didn't really have a problem with his voice acting at all as Raiden. He no. he brought he brought his charm to it. He carried the uh, he carried the notes of be a snarky asshole Raiden to mimic Christopher Lambert's portrayal and ran with it. Your mortal butts. <laughs> okay, so to go everything else, I, I would listen. He's not at the top of my list, but I'm going to scroll down and list him first. Is the guy who voiced Liu Kang, since Liu Kang, as we addressed, is the hero of the series, even though he's kind of first two episodes he was in the forefront, and then Liu Kang kind of takes a back seat in this show. But he was voiced. By Brian Toshi, who doesn't have a whole lot of voice work, but he has one very important voice credit that, Jay, I'm glad you haven't looked up yet because I'm about to blow your mind. Motherfucker was Leonardo in the live action uh, TMT movies, all three of them. What? Yep. Like the voice of live action Leonardo from like, are you talking about like the first Ninja Turtles 1, Secret of the Use, and then the really terrible third one? He was the voice of Leonardo in those. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I did not know that. That's that is which does have right? some overlap with uh, you know, Mortal Kombat because uh, and Liu Kang because obviously Ho Sung Pak was a stunt person in Part Two. He was not, however, stunt person for uh, Leonardo. I think he might have been Raphael. Uh, he was in the turtle suit, and then Daniel Pacina and Rich Divizio were just foot soldiers. But yeah, little little overlap there. Some Mortal Kombat overlap. Nine degrees of separation. I love I love how it's all connected. It's all, it's connected, all connected if you know if if you know where the threads are. <laughs> it is kind of uh, sobering to realize that all your media that we've consumed in our lives is connected because you know there's just career actors that've been there all along. And you know uh, when I saw the Dark Knight in theaters, me and a friend was like, when we were a kid, we watched a movie about Batman chasing the Joker, and here it is, 2008, we're watching a movie about Batman chasing the Joker. And, you know, Ron Perlman, who I'm going ahead of myself as a voice in the show, you know, has been a part of my life forever because he was in the live action Beauty and the Beast show of Linda Hamilton. He played the Beast. I remember that from when I was a kid. And he's been in about every fucking thing I've seen growing up into an adult because he's just everywhere. He's an alien. He has a Pacific Rim, Hellboy, all that shit. And there's another crossover with that Beauty and the Beast live action show, too, with these cast members that we'll get to. But the other uh, thing about Brian Toshi, besides voicing Leonardo, he was a regular character in both the Revenge of the Nerds and the Police Academy movies as live action. Just your stock kind of dorky Asian character. Uh, And he also, uh, he's a director. He directed one single movie, a comedy anthology called Tales of the Fly on the Wall. And it's literally uh, this sarcastic character who is the fly basically observing people's crazy lives. And he directed that. It was, I think, 2008. I don't have the uh, IMDb page up. But yeah, that's Brian Toshi. Yeah, Brian Toshi, um, honestly, Josh, pretty cool. I, I did not know that. At first, when you said he was 
the voice of Leonardo, my first thought was, wait, are you about to tell me he's the voice of Leonardo from the original Ninja Turtles animated cartoon? And I was like, no, that's not the same guy. But when you said live action, I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> nope. There, so. there is somebody here in this cast list that uh, was in the uh, TMNT uh, cartoon. And actually, I'll just skip to him next. Uh, going out of order, Dorian uh, uh, Harewood. He's Jax. Um, which yep. we had talked about a little bit uh, before uh, we finished even watching the show because we were curious about him. He's got a lengthy uh, fucking resume too. A lot of voice work. He was uh, had voices in Biker Mice from Mars and Gargoyles. In Gargoyles, he played... Uh, he's credited as Boreas, Little Anton, and Talos. If you know those Talos. Characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talos is is actually the I guess you could call it the superhero name of Elisa's uh, of Elisa Maza's brother. Um, you see him in season one. He is a cop, but he's really more of a helicopter pilot. And then in Gargoyles later on, Xanatos gives him you know the evil mutagen stuff or whatever, and he gets transformed into basically a gar to like a a wolf like gargoyle, and he just calls himself. Um, not Talos, though. He calls himself Talon, actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have Talos. Maybe it's a misprint. Um, but yeah, he was in that. Uh, he was also in the Sonic the Hedgehog show. Uh, there's always a distinction of which one you're talking about. And of course, I'm talking about the dark one. Uh, he played a character named Ari, uh, who is a ram. Who, uh, like an uh, animal. The ram uh, from a different uh, freedom fighting group other than Sonic's. So he was in that. But yes, he also apparently voiced shredder in the tmnt cartoon uh it says only four episodes though i don't know how long that cartoon ran i don't shredder surely had appeared in more episodes than four so i don't know if they just had different actors portraying him but he voiced him in four of them other little things uh is his most biggest credits uh live action he was in full metal jacket uh as a character named eight ball he gets yep. shot um, I don't remember much. I that's one of the only uh, what the fuck's that director's name? Help me here because he comes up again too. Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Thank you. I, I don't know why I always blank on his name. Of course, he's like one of the most celebrated film directors of all time. Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, uh, I've seen that long. It's like one of the only Stanley Kubrick movies I've seen. But yeah, he's in it. Uh, he was also the voice of one of the Monstars in Pearl and uh, Pearl Jam, uh, Space Jam. Uh, he was yeah. Bupkis, whichever one that was. He was also a judge in two episodes of Bel Air, that uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air uh, reboot. Oh, uh, wait. Yeah. What was he in it? He was called Judge Robertson, and he was in two episodes of Bel Air. Oh, okay. Yeah. And incidentally, he also played a judge in The Young and the Restless, perhaps maybe bumping shoulders with Lyndon Ashby, who was in that show at one point. I don't know what era he was in there. Uh, and he was also in uh, the Sarah Chronicle, Sarah, God fucking damn, Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Chronicles. Yeah, which I know you yeah. like that show you've seen. He played a character yeah, named Dr. Dr. Bond Sherman. Huh. And then as, as far as his voice acting work too, also, uh, Jay, he was in one episode, one single episode of the Godzilla animated series, the 98 based one. He played a yep. bounty man. I think it was an episode where there were a bunch of guys trying to kill Godzilla for a bounty in the middle of New York. Stupid idea. One thing, like one thing, I kind of like that he's in because I don't, I don't think not enough people talk about this show because it's really good. Is um, is is uh, the spectacular Spider-Man? 
That was that was a show that Greg Wiseman, um, who created Gargoyles, actually was the head producer on. And pretty much, in my humble opinion, if Greg Wiseman is a producer on your show, it is it is going to be good. He this man doesn't do bad anything. Um, so, and I've watched. Uh, I haven't seen all of Spectacular Spider Man because it only had one season. But the fact that he's in that show, yeah, yeah, that's some nice. cred because. Well, it's like Decker Spider-Man's I, good. I will say, none of these voice actors can be called bad, right? It's like, usually it's the writing that's bad, which, sorry for um, who I said before, what's her name? Um, Sean Catherine Derrick, who does have cred, but she's not the sole writer. But yeah, the voice acting's good. They just have some lame-ass lines, right? Uh, Yeah, sometimes. Well, actually, I'm going to throw maybe like... Like, I could be wrong on this, but I'm going to throw a slight critique at Ron Perlman here. Because I've seen Ron Perlman voice act, too. Okay. But the way well, he... Before we, the way before, he... We, before we go to Ron Perlman, let me say one last thing about Dorian Harewood. Sure. Is that he also, live action, was in... Uh, to This ties into Ron Perlman. Was in the live action Beauty and the Beast show from the 80s uh, in one single episode. Once again, degrees of separation here. Uh, he's being reunited with Ron Perlman in this show. But anyway, go ahead about what you're going to say about Ron Perlman, who I guess is our next actor. Yeah, yeah. Now, Ron, now Ron Perlman pretty much is great. Like, this man's been doing stuff for a very, like, basically for a very long time. Of course, he was Hellboy in the Guillermo del Toro uh, films, uh, where he where he played him, I think, what, twice. He's been in a plethora of other movies as well but one thing that at least and he he does and he does do voice acting work here and there but my critique on him and defenders of the realm he voices striker and he he doesn't really i don't really think i don't really catch him really adding too much to striker like it just he he sounds bored and I don't hmm. know if that's on purpose or if he's just bored voicing that character it just he cuz Ron Perlman Stryker's has bored. a bit of a Maybe, but like Ron Perlman has more of like a raspy sort of gritty voice, like you know, like he basically like he's always like he's always got a cigar no, in his mouth or something. I wouldn't call it raspy. But, he's just deep. He's got a deep voice. Tom Waits is raspy, who is a person I often confused with uh, Ron Perlman when I was little. Uh, I don't know why, because they both kind of have the same ugly face. <laughs> um, damn. I mean, I, I say that lovingly. I mean, that's why anytime you need a mean mug. Ron Perlman's your guy. That's, I mean, that's why he played fucking Hellboy. Uh, you know, that's, that's, he made that his thing. He's a fucking beast, you know? But, uh, I don't know. I think he's a perfect voice for Stryker because he just sounds like Stryker to me. And maybe he does sound bored. I don't know, but he is a guy out of his element. You're out of your fucking element, Donnie. Yeah. And he's just, you know, doing what he can. And he adds, he adds emotion, you know, when he's all Stryker's character in this show is, not fond of Nightwolf's pet wolf, Kiva. He says, these things bring all sorts of diseases, and he gets all sort of hypochondriac about that. And just being a dick to Sonya. I, I don't know. I like I like his performance. I think he, he fits Stryker to a T. Yeah. Yeah, like, I fully admit I could be wrong on that. That's just something I noticed throughout the show. I'm like, yeah, that's Ron Perlman, but this doesn't feel like... Ron Perlman, it, like, Ron Perlman at least... He's a good voice actor, but I I just wasn't feeling it. You seen what you feel about Ron Perlman, the striker? Uh, hard to say because I don't like striker. Right. <laughs> so maybe he did a good job at making me not like him more because he just sounds like an entitled asshole. Yeah, maybe no. just Ron Perlman acting. That was a job description. Shining yeah. through. 
Yeah, so... But, uh... He also uh, voices Scorpion. Yes, uh, that's the other thing. Yeah, he does voice Scorpion, which I'm not a fan of his job as Scorpion. Yeah. Because it sounds like Reptile. Yeah, it's really weird. He literally hisses one of his S. He's like, you're no match for us. And then his hand thing comes out. Uh, Hmm. I don't think he got the memo uh, what Scorpion's supposed to sound like. He had a couple yeah. good moments of, that, of Scorpion. But luckily, Scorpion's one single episode. Speaking, I should dial back to Dorian Harewood uh, as Jax. Not every source says this, but one source did that he also voices Sector. Yeah. Who has like he fucking two lines. Maybe. Literally, he only talks in the first episode. When he when he's talking down to Katana. Yeah, that, yeah for whatever reason, um, I think... American shows with animation have gotten better on it, but in the 90s, there's a, a lot of that was happening where they would hire a voice actor and that voice actor would voice one main character, but they would also provide like little tidbits of characters that usually have one line, they're throwaway extras. It's like a random dude on the street yeah, pointing at something that makes saying sense. their look. Yeah, like Less that people happens you hire. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like I think, uh, like uh, not to change the subject a little bit, but like if have you guys ever heard of the show Reboot? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that show is notorious for that. Like, I think Stephen Bloom, um, who did who does a character reboot, I think provided like half the characters. He he voiced like four characters that were all main characters in that show, and provided like extras galore. I think I I, I need to research that show at some point in the future because that show is just interesting. It's kind of a cult classic, but it's just it's interesting how it had such a small voice cast, but. There's so many characters in that show. It's just, it's weird. Anyway, sorry to change the subject. Back on top. Small side too. I bet uh, any uh, Gen Z listeners uh, on this show probably have no fucking idea what Reboot is. (laughs) YouTube, man. YouTube. YouTube, Watch it. Back on the early C, when CG was a new thing. That'll be so hard to watch. Probably, yeah. Visually, it might be very hard to watch if you're not uh, accustomed to old CG, for sure. But it was fucking groundbreaking back in the day, baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anywho, uh, since we talked about Ron Perlman, let's talk about the next uh, uh, marquee value actor in here. Luke motherfucking Perry. R.I.P., by the way. Uh, Poor guy. Died of a stroke. But he was Sub-Zero. And everyone knows Luke Perry because of Beverly Hills 90210, of course. And more recently, what was that show he was on? Riverdale? Oh, yeah, he was on Riverdale, you're right. The Archie thing, yeah. What I didn't know is that uh, his last movie was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yep. It was his very last movie. I I still haven't seen that movie either, uh, so I don't know what part he plays. Uh, He was also in The Fifth Element. I had no fucking clue he was in The Fifth Element. Funny thing about Luke Perry, too. I actually don't know who the motherfucker was. I never watched Beverly Hills. I know whatever. Fuck. But... uh, he was in that show for two different stretches because he actually left the show uh, around 95 because he wanted to pursue serious, more serious roles. And he ended up as mm. a Sub-Zero. <laughs> <laughs> in wow. a Saturday morning cartoon wow. show. Maybe, is that why he talks like that in the, in the, in the show? Because he, t- he kind of talks like he's whispering in your ear the whole time. Yeah, a little bit. He is very a suave, suave is the wrong word. He's an emo Sub-Zero. That's what I call him. He really is. Yeah. Until the end where he tries to come up with badass lines, nothing burns hotter than ice, which he made a comment on. 
<laughs> like, what the fuck? What do you mean? I mean, ice burns, right? Um, yes. So, yeah, he was an okay Sub-Zero. He did go back to 90210 uh, apparently three years after his departure because shit just wasn't work out. But he's still, you know, a legend because everyone knows him. Uh, and, unfortunately, he passed away too soon. Uh, but not before throwing out uh, a performance of Sub-Zero in one of my favorite episodes of the show, which made me, you know, my heartstrings pull and... Part of it was, too, because of his performance. You know, like when I said, when Stryker asked him, is he okay? And he says, physically. You know? He is the mysterious ninja. Mm. I like it. <laughs> Let's cut down through these other characters. Uh, I'll save her for later. Uh, there's Kree Summer as per- Katana. Um, and she was in uh, in a different world, which was a spinoff show of uh, the Cosby show. back then. Oh, no shit. Really? I didn't have that. Yeah. I didn't know there was a yeah. spinoff of Cosby. Okay. Yeah, because uh, it basically follows one of Cosby's daughters as they go to uh, college. Is this kind of how like you you blew the the mind mind bomb on me that uh, Family Matters was a spinoff of that other show? Perfect Strangers. It's Perfect Strangers because uh, yeah. Harriet worked in the factory they did, or, or Harriet's sister. No, she I think. worked. She worked in the building that uh, they lived in. Yeah, mind fucking blown because I watched both of those shows yeah. as a kid. Yeah, it's kind of. I tried to. I was. I was getting ready to start watching uh, a different world uh, when the pandemic was going on, but the first few episodes you get, you keep getting cameos from Bill Cosby and it's kind of like, Ugh. oh yeah, well. But uh, that, I remember that show being really, really fun, really, really good back in the day. I might look at that. Yeah, she's from that, and she's done like a ton of like voice work since. She has got so much voice work. Uh, credits. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, she's been in nearly everything. Jay, you probably... Well, I know you've heard her voice. She's been in Young Justice uh, yep. as several characters. She was in Teen Titans Go as Elastigirl yep. and Beast Girl. She was in one single episode of uh, BoJack Horseman. And, okay. Uh, oh, you'll, you'll like this, Jay. Uh, she played Young Titus in Final Fantasy X. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's some cred because like like normally it's sort of a weird like it's like it's it's sort of a weird bar, but like if you're if you're an exceptionally really good voice actor and you have a lot of range, chances are no one should be able to tell it's your voice. But we all love the voice actors because we know we can hear their voice. It all depends, the time because like they, I recognize yeah. Clancy Brown every time I see him. He has one voice. And that's Clancy yeah, Brown. Same thing. And same and same thing with Stephen Bloom. Although Stephen Bloom, to his credit, has more like three voices, but he has more range. Yeah, he does, but not but not by terribly much. Like you, you can tell it's Stephen Bloom. Um, but like Chris Summer, uh, I'll be honest, Josh, I'm sure I've heard her voice probably God knows how many times, but I could never I could never recognize her. I guarantee you have, because guess what else she's fucking been in uh, to overlap again? What? She was in Gargoyles, recurring character. She was hyena. Ah, yep. That I know who Hyena is. Yep. Yep. Did any of you watch the Voltron uh, Netflix show? No, was she? Yeah, in that? I did. Yeah, she played Witch Hagar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, Cree Summer. Yeah, then there you go. She's awesome. She is legendary. But to go even farther back, back to my childhood, before I ever discovered Mortal Kombat, Defenders of the Realm, or Mortal Kombat anything, Inspector Gadget. She was Penny. Uh, Inspector Gadget's Holy little niece shit. or whatever. Huh? Yeah, she's got. She's yeah. got a lot of range if that's she's, the case. Dude, then she yeah. Is. 
She is what she is like one of those like true voice actors. That I'm not even like, fucking done. Like everything. <laughs> she was no, also. She has like hundreds of. She has hundreds of credits, man. Yeah, she was She Hulk in the Incredible Hulk animated series as well. And the other last thing, she had a live action appearance in one single episode. To bring it back to Bel Air, she was in one single live action appearance in The Fresh Prince of Bel Air as a character named Lisa Adams. Uh, oh, oh, yes. I remember and, that. and she was also a character in that fucking awful Comedy Central show called uh, Drawn Together, if you remember that show. Yeah, I uh, Drawn Together. It was trying to ride off of South Park and be like a raunchy cartoon. It was fucking awful. Uh, but she was a regular character in that called Foxy Love. Uh, Oh, and one final note, because i got to mention it. Uh, she's a regular voice in the Skylanders games, uh, which I have started playing because of my uh, love of the Iron Eagle movies, <laughs> which we mentioned the last time Neil was on. Uh, yeah, how does that connect? What do you mean? Skylanders and Iron Wolf? Iron Eagle. Iron because Eagle, they're whatever. both they're, they're, they're fighter jet. Skylanders? Skylanders is a, a aerial combat game series. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Oh, fucking shit. I am stupid. Oh, cut that out. I'm thinking of Sky Gamblers. Never mind. I don't know what Skylanders is. Skylanders. I was going to say, Skylanders is one of those, like, AR, like, games where you have, like, a little, like, uh, what do you call those, like, uh, Nintendo uh, toys that uh, Amiibos? Yeah, Yeah, I see that shit at Walmart. Yeah, you're right. Skylanders. (laughs) Boy, I feel like a goddamn fucking idiot looking for an excuse (laughs) to shoehorn in fucking... Iron Eagle into this episode uh, because I was playing Sky Gamblers Aerial Assault 2 or, or Air Supremacy 2. I've never two. heard of Sky Gamblers, by the way. It's it's actually pretty low rent. There's not much voice acting in it, so that makes sense. There is some voice acting, but, you know, it, it was like 30 bucks too. But a uh, fun game. You know, I turned down the volume and put on some uh, Queen, and I feel like I'm Doug Masters from Iron Eagle going to save my dad. Anyway, that about doesn't increase summer. <laughs> What, one thing one thing I will mention, but I won't go into a long like you know charade about it. But um, Frank Welker also did a voice. Oh man, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, you you mentioned it before I got to because yeah. Remember when? Yep. Yep. Uh, in the Sonya Katana, a very special episode when they're fighting that giant monster made of energy, and he's all like, Ugh! I was like, I bet that's Frank Welker. Yep, it is. It like, is. And it, and and granted, not to go into detail, you could make an entire movie about oh, yeah. Frank Welker's career in voice acting. Scooby Doo. Goro, he's, he's, uh, you know everybody. He, yeah, he's he he's on such a high legendary status. He's like he's up there with Jim Cummings. Well, I mean, um, it shows like, how distinctive his, even though his specialty is animal sounds, it shows how yeah. distinctive his voice is. That I literally pointed and said, "I bet that's Frank Welker," because yeah, t- yeah, it totally fucking was. And that's not the only episode he was in. He was also in the Rain episode, uh, Katana and Rain, uh, and he played the uh, six-headed beast that Liu Kang fights in that episode too. Yep, yep. So basically, if you are in need of a grunting animal sound or a monster roar or anything like that, Frank Walker's usually who you're going to call, which means basically if an animated show exists in America, Frank Walker was in it. That's just like his body of work is so big, he doesn't remember half the things he's done. Oh, he probably doesn't, no. Yeah, anyway, continue on because I could talk Uh, about Frank Walker all day. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I'll probably mention Sonya last. Uh, Let's see, who else we got? Luke Perry, Chris Summer. Oh, poor guy. Uh, There's only one other person before Sonya to mention, and that's uh, Todd Thawley, who is uh, Nightwolf. Much how Nightwolf gets uh, relegated to Bitch Boy being behind the scenes, not getting to do much. I guess Todd Thawley doesn't either, because 
I literally couldn't find fuck all about him, except he's had a lot of appearances in voice appearances, voice roles in TV animated shows, but only in like one episode of this, one episode of that. His only consistent role is Nightwolf. Well, they gave him a chance. They gave him a chance. Yeah, poor guy. Uh, (laughs) That's all I got to say about him. But let's roll on to the star of the show. Uh, And that is Olivia Deboe. D apostrophe A-B-O as Sonya Blade because she is responsible for the title of this podcast. She is responsible for our podcast. Combat Time! Um, Combat Time. Who might be the the one person that everyone thinks is the cringiest effect of the show. Maybe thinking of her as a bad voice actress. But uh, she has a pretty good career too. First off... uh, Actually, I don't have a long list of any of her voice roles, except for one that's important I'll mention later. But her actually thing that a lot of people might remember her from is a, is a screen appearance. She was a regular on The Wonder Years. Really? She played a character named Karen Arnold, which I think might be the main character's sister or someone else's sister. But she was in almost every episode. Huh. And uh, she also had a live action appearance as Princess Jenna in Conan the Destroyer, which I guess is the second Conan movie. I'd never seen any of the Conan movies either, Confession. But yeah. she was in that. But then as, as voice... Oh, and Jay, she was, as far as voice work goes, Jay, she was a star sapphire in Green Lantern First Flight, that movie you showed us a while back, long while back. Yep. Oh. I own that movie. Yep. Yeah, it's a good movie. And she reprised it, I think, in like some of the video game media and stuff. But her big claim to fame is uh, she was a character in the Star Wars Clone Wars TV series called uh, Luminara Unduli, whatever, stupid fucking Star Wars names. Uh, (laughs) But she was not a main character, but she was a recurring character in that show. But she got to reprise her role in Rise of Skywalker because there's a scene where Rey has a bunch of voices in her head, which includes uh, Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson. And she pops in there, too, as the... Jedi Luminara Undali, like telling her to do right or whatever, which is neat. And and yeah, so and she is the source of combat time. I hmm. I don't know. I I think I think she is good in it. I think it's just the fact that like she's not written well. Well, I'll admit she does sound total grade schooler too. Just the inflection of her voice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting true, ticked. Yeah. Who wants to wear my ring? So much shouting. Was this the, was this the beginning of her like career? Uh, no, uh, Wonder Years would have been the beginning of her career. Like voice acting. Let me uh, tell you what. Let me take a moment and uh, copy and paste her name because I ain't about to type that shit. Diablo, whatever the fuck. Uh, let me uh, Google it again. And I'll tell you what her very first role was. Fucking internet. Her very first role, Conan the Destroyer, LOL. Uh, but as far as a voice role, boy, she has a lot of uh, live action appearances here. Goddamn, Star Trek The Next Generation, Point of No Return. I remember that movie. The Wonder Years, Thank- Wayne's World 2. She was in Wayne's World 2. Actually, uh, you've seen, I think Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm was her first voice role. Okay, then she gets a, she gets a pass on that because that's... It's a it's a different art form than I guess acting. so yeah. So I think that she probably got a lot better as she did more roles like voice roles. Yeah, 
her, her voice roles after that would include a role in The Wild Thornberries, Batman Beyond the Movie, uh, buh, 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 buh. Batman Beyond uh, the TV series, Legend of Tarzan, she was Jane. Uh, that was a TV animated TV series. Justice League. She was several characters in that and so forth. So, you know, yeah, you know, she went on to keep doing shit. Uh, just, you know, her first first role, first voice role, unfortunately, was screaming into her uh, heads. Uh, Combat time. Yeah, I don't know why I said she was good in that. In what? In this. You said she was good? I said uh, she was she was kind of good. I was like, uh, eh, not really. Well, I mean, I think it's a writing back to it. It's like, we want you to talk yeah. like you're an uh, impetuant 12-year-old. All right, I'll do it. It's all right. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, that's our main cast. Uh, there are some other notable ones. Uh, we mentioned Frank Walker. Uh, Shiva, who appears maybe like three times, uh, was voiced by uh, someone named Don Lewis, uh, who doesn't have a lot of credits, but her most known one uh, role was a live-action role. Yo. Hang, what? You were going to say it? She's another person from a different world. No shit. Okay, yeah. I was going to say yeah. she was from Hanging to Mr. Cooper. Yeah, that makes sense that she was in a show like Other World too. To bring it back to uh, fucking hell. What's the director's name again? Stanley Kubrick. Uh, the voice of Oniro, the Lin Kuei headmaster from that episode five or whatever. His name's Jack Angel. Uh, he voiced the teddy bear in AI. And Steven Spielberg's AI, which was originally going to be a Stanley Kubrick movie thought that was funny oh interesting and uh another big one to mention is uh cabal who uh we already looked up when we watched the episode that's voiced by kevin michael richardson which jay instantly recognized his name and geeked out about him and this motherfucker has been literally in every goddamn thing yep he's up there with clancy brown he's on that like legend status and much like Cree and much like Cree summer if you've watched an animated show between 1990 and today you probably have heard kevin michael richardson's voice yeah somewhere if you there. watched even a live action movie because he was the voice in the matrix revolutions of it's called duus ex machina but it's a giant robot baby face that neo talks to at the end that's that is kevin michael richardson i do not remember that and of course just to throw out some relevant like uh some relevant news for today you can hear his voice um right now if you go to a theater and watch the super mario brothers movie because oh, there you he go. voices the penguin um the penguin that says do you yield in the trailer that's right so you mentioned that his. yeah do you yep, that's yield. his voice so you could tell his trend oh his trend is very deep okay. rumbly voices here's something even better guys you might forget this motherfucker is goro huh Frank Welker does voice Goro in the 95 movie, but only the screams, only when he's like, yeah, but what for Goro talks, it's Kevin Michael Richardson. Oh, yep. shoot. Yep. Yeah, and, I knew that. Yeah, I knew that. I knew and that for a while. he did reprise the role, of course, we know in MK10 uh, or MKX, but he was also the voice of Goro. I didn't fucking realize this. He was the voice of Goro in Scorpion's Revenge, too. I'm not surprised by that. He might as well be on level with Kerry Tagawa as being just attached to the role. This dude is Goro. Hell yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, which I find fucking awesome. Next other person to mention, uh, which is really hilarious, uh, is the voice of Shao Kahn, which you may have mentioned, uh, remembered when we were watching it and he first appeared. I'm like, damn, uh, he's not as threatening as I remember. He kind of sounds like a kind old grandpa. Uh, that changed in the last episode. The last episode, he sounded a lot more angrier, which 
source of uh, Neil's, one of Neil's favorite sound bites is traitors. I shall crush you both. But apparently it was the same actor throughout the whole show. And that actor, and Jay already discovered this too, is none other than John Vernon. Yep. And John Vernon, Don't know who that you is. may not like. Yeah, most people probably would not. He's a bit of a uh, he's a bit of an old school actor. He uh, he passed away R.I.P. in two thousand and five. Um, but he, you, he, most older people would know him from like Dirty Harry. He was in that. Uh, I believe he was in The Heat of the Night. Uh, he also played um, a basically a police captain in Sledgehammer, which is a wonderful TV show. And the writers of Sledgehammer went on to write The Simpsons. So that's oh. a bit of a that's a bit of an interesting thing there. Um, they got their start on Sledgehammer. But of course, for me personally, he John Vernon is near and dear to my heart because he plays Officer Mooney in one of my favorite movies of all time, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And he's got a one line that has me dying every time. He literally looks at one of the clowns and says, "Whoop to goddamn to do!" And just the way he says, and the way he says it, just is a source of joy from my childhood. He is, <laughs> so, a, he is a very uh, celebrated character actor. He's also at the end of the movie, "I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker," which I brought up once in our show long ago. Is a Wayan Brothers spoof on black exploitation movies. And he shows up at the end as a surprise villain. And they even talk about it. Like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, you know. And he gives a history of uh, popular actors who've been in exploitation movies. And it's like, and now you got me, Mr. Big. (laughs) And he went on to be the Mr. Big. Mr. Big, Shao Kahn. Daddy Kahn. Yep. Which, not a great (laughs) Shao Kahn in this show, but, you know. Yeah. I will kind of admit, I like like the guy who's doing the voice of Shao Kahn in the games right now. He's pretty good, yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I like his voice. Who's the best Shao Kahn? Brian, uh, Guy Ritchie. Or, or, um, actually, no, I take that back. The best Shao Kahn is... Conquest? Jeff Meek from Mortal Kombat Conquest. Yeah. I mean, his costume is kind of lame, but he was so fucking scary. Uh, He's terrifying. Who's the worst? We all know who the worst is. Yeah, Annihilation. Brian. Uh, yeah, Annihilation. What's his face? Yeah. I don't know. For me, the one that I've always like, I don't know why, but I guess because he's a different voice is the uh, the one at the end of the first movie, just because it's. Uh, that was Frank Walker. From, uh, that's Frank Walker? <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah, that is Frank Walker. Yeah, he, he did. I was about to double check, but I don't need to. Yeah, no, that was Frank Walker, too. Yep. And he does a yeah. uh, claw from uh, Spencer Gadget? Mm hmm. Yep. Sounds the same, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he basically does the claw voice. Yeah. You weak, pathetic fools. I've come for your souls. And then also, he's. And also, also he was famously. Man, let's watch it again, man. Let's watch it now. I got to drive two hours after we're done recording this? Fuck it. Let's watch Mortal Kombat. Hell, I'll put it in the fucking (laughs) dashboard of my phone. Fucking drive. Anyway, go on, Jeff. um, Like, like, uh, excuse me. And also, he um, he also most famously, probably his most famous voice role is that he played Megatron in the original uh, Transformers show. Oh, as yeah. Him. Okay, good segue, Jay, because uh, I have two more actors to mention. And one of them, very small mention, uh, is the voice of sh- both Shang Tsung and Motaro. And that's a guy named Neil Ross. You probably recognize his name already because you're an animation fan, do you? Actually, no. Oh. Um, I need to actually. Oh, that is embarrassing for Jay. Embarrassing yeah, because yeah, first, um, the first the first credit that I've seen of his like that's very embarrassing for Jay. Very embarrassing. He I he's the last person I looked up. Uh, so I didn't look up his whole filmography. 
I just did the one bullet note because he's a celebrated voice actor. He was bone. Oops. Did you hear me drop my pen? I just dropped my pen on my keyboard. Yep. Yep. We did, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm editing this. He was bone crusher in the Transformers animated movie. Oh, yay. (laughs) And that's, (laughs) that's your Shang Tsung. Yep. I can see that. I can see that. And then the last guy. Yes, he is British. Uh, The last guy, uh, you know, we didn't mention everybody. We didn't mention whoever voiced Kano or uh, some of the guest characters like Quan Chi or Kira or whatever Katana's friend was or Ruby. But I did want to mention MV fucking P Asgarth. uh, Hell yeah. Who, when when we looked up, Jay was like, holy fucking shit, because apparently everyone knows him as John Rhys Davies. Who does both voice and screen acting. Uh, most people will know him as motherfucking Gimli, the dwarf from the Lord of the Rings trilogy by Peter Jackson. Yep. That's him. Yep. Uh, he was also in Sliders. I remember, all, I never watched Sliders, but I always remember seeing him on the commercials. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that dude. I remember when I heard his voice, I'm like, I've heard this guy's voice before. And I remember when we were watching the episode, it just clicked for me. I'm like... This guy did a character in Gargoyles. Then I had to think for a second. I'm like, oh, that's Macbeth. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, so, yeah, he did. So he did the, and Macbeth is a recurring character in Gargoyles. So, yeah, pretty much we've mentioned Gargoyles like probably several times in this episode and previous episodes. Basically, if you were, if you were a very good voice actor, you were probably on Gargoyles. Yeah. <laughs> in the 90s. A lot of overlap. <laughs> so. But this dude, he's yeah. been everything too. Uh, the only other note is I, once again, like Ron Perlman, there's things that are part of my childhood that I grew up in later. I'm like, oh, they've always been with me. And this guy's one of them because he was uh, the Russian general. I don't know his name in uh, the James Bond movie, Living Daylights. Uh, and he has a very distinctive role in there because he's the Russian general that James Bond, Timothy Dalton, tries to to pull in on a scheme. And he actually sets up an assa- a fake assassination and shoots him. James Bond shoots him. And, uh, you know, his wife is like crying over his body when he gets pulled into a back room. And then he like blinks open his eyes and wakes up. And it's the exact scene from Street Fighter, the movie. He opens his shirt and he had like a little bulletproof little plat, you know, thing on his abdomen. And he's like, you know, this is the first time I'll admit that I'm glad that James Bond is a good shot. Uh, that's my <laughs> main memory of John Rhys Davies. But yeah, yeah. Per- great voice for Is it Asgard. Rice or Reese? I really don't know. It's R H Y S. I'm going to say, I always get mad when I watch YouTube videos and someone like introduces a guy and they're like, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm sorry. And I'm always like, well, if you take the time to fucking edit a uh, YouTube video, maybe you should take time to fucking edit the name. But here I am perfectly guilty of the yeah, same thing. Are. Uh, but I'm going to guess. The worst. Right. I'm the worst. R- John Rice Davies. That sounds correct. He's Welsh. I'm gonna guess it's Reese. Reese. Uh, well, Let's uh, make a bet on that. We'll look it up later. Um, okay. <laughs> very distinctive voice. Asgarth, already a fucking awesome character, right? He adds more awesomeness to it because he's just got this very deep, bellowy voice. Uh, it just feels yeah. honorful. And yeah, he's great. Asgarth, man. Yeah. Asgarth, man. Asgarth, man. Um, man, Garth. <laughs> Thinking of Wayne's World. <coughs> uh,. There was somebody in Wayne's World too uh, on our cast list one there. Anyway, that about rounds it up for the actors. So, and it probably uh, gets ready to round out our coverage of this show. There's only a couple things I want to mention. One of them is that this has not had a full release in the United States. I found a 
a amateur uh, independent person selling a Blu-ray <clears throat> of uh, the show. I don't know how you know. It's not really like it had an original uh, quality thing to upscale to a Blu-ray, but there is you can buy the whole thing yeah. from an independent seller. It's hilarious though. Uh, the U.S. did get some partial VHS releases of this, just some episodes. UK and Australia got partial releases. I don't know. It didn't say if it's on VHS or DVD, but the only ones to get full fucking DVD releases of it are Russia, Brazil, and Spain. Um, what the hell? Brazil even got a unique Portuguese dub of the whole fucking show, uh, which might be wild to watch. Nice. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, also we got a couple VHS tapes, you know, those like they used to do in the nineties has like two episodes on it. Mm-hmm. Like every anime yeah. collector. Yeah. That's it. The other thing that I found interesting too, is you can buy original animation cells from the show on eBay. What the f- I'll even, I'll even post a wow. link to one of them in the chat. Uh, I feel that as a mortal Kombat fan, uh, we all got, you know, various copies of the game, some strategy guys. Neil has his enviable collection you seen you now got the uh, Long Live Mortal Kombat book. Uh, what do I got to do? I'm. I think I, it's my duty to go get one of these. One of these animation cells from the fucking show, and they're cheap too. They're fifteen bucks because no one fucking cares about Defenders of the Realm. I guess. Dude, get it. Yeah, I should. I totally should. Shoot, I'd get one too. Yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of different ones. Uh, the one I posted was one of the Cybers. Who sells them? I don't know. I didn't really research the seller. Uh, I don't know. Did the actual people who worked on it, or did I would assume so? Else? Since there's several listings for these animation cells, so perhaps hmm. I don't know. Very interesting, very cool. But uh, yeah, I'll make a couple things I want to buy. I want to buy yeah the animation cell, and then I do want to buy Neil and Corey's Combat Time Clock because I just of course have to. I'll wait till I get my uh, living situation consolidated, uh, and I can have everything in one location instead of two. And I'm definitely going to buy the motherfucking combat clock, combat time clock, because we have to with combat time, right? Yeah. We all One three. Of us has to have it. W- no, we all three have to have it. <laughs> ah. Because I have to be able to call you up and be like, hey, we got to record the podcast. And you're like, oh, you're right. Let me check the clock. Oh, shit. It's combat time. It's combat time. Combat time. Yo, yo, I see a Liu Kang cell from Defense of the Realm signed by Brian Tochi. Nice. How much? Two hundred fifty. Nice. Two hundred fifty bucks. That's not terrible yeah. though. Signed by Brian Toshi, Leonardo himself, yeah, and Luke Kang. Dude, man. Oh man. Maybe we. Could... I'd be willing to pull in all three of us to buy that. That's a lot. If none of us wants to spend two hundred fifty dollars on a cell. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's past my limit. But divided by three, I want to get one of these VHS tapes though. I mean, I'd rather buy the Blu-ray from that seller I mentioned. Hmm. Fair play. But alas. Not one of the most celebrated uh, periods in Mortal Kombat's life. In fact, like I said, some people listening to this may have not heard of it. I don't know how notorious it is, but if you go... Doing research on this is hard, too, because there's not really much making of of this. Uh, Most of the articles are retrospective articles from geeks like us looking back without any actual... Uh, you know, uh, corroboration with the people that were responsible for making it. I think it's, I'm, I don't know what Ed Boon thinks of it, but I think most people 
I don't know what John uh, Lawrence Kasanoff thought of it, but I think it was one of those things where it was like, well, that happened, and they just dust it under the the rug. But I don't think it's an unenjoyable show to watch. And that brings me, I guess, to our conclusion is I must ask you guys, I know you didn't seem to be enjoying it, but is it? can we say it is a a bad show, like completely irredeemable? What's your opinion? I'd say yes. Damn. <laughs> I'd say I wouldn't say bad in the quality of the way that because I've definitely seen worse animated shows. But ultimately, Josh, my like like mine is not going to be much better than you've seen. I find the show ultimately forgettable. Forgettable? How could you I forget? Found it boring. I will admit some of the I episodes, especially uh, midway through, when uh, Sean Catherine wasn't writing it. I think we're kind of like a lot of the very special episodes are kind of boring, right? Oh uh, yeah. Like you, because like ultimately when you think about most seasons of a cartoon show, especially an action one, you usually have some sort of arc from the start of the season to the end of the season. Mortal Kombat does have this, but it's, it's ba- it basically starts with the first episode and then it kind of st- and then it kind of resolves itself with the last episode and everything in between is either like a very special episode um a character moment or potentially some lore building or anything like that now that's not uncommon for cartoon shows to have but usually when you're watching an action show you would want like an like at least a small but like a small overarching storyline you know, to sort of like bring you from, you know, from one story beat to another. Because when you go into season two, you want to feel like that meaningful change in character growth has actually happened. Mm. And there's no inclination in Defenders of the Realm that this was going to happen. But many other action cartoon shows, uh, like well before Defenders of the Realm, did have this structure. Unless it was a cartoon designed specifically to sell toys, like your Thundercats, like your Transformers, like your G.I. Joes. Those are very episodic by nature shows. While it's like Defenders of the Realm kind of felt like it was going for more of an overarching story with actual growth, but just never kind of did it. It just kind of sat on its like just very special episode character growth uh, intro moments with just the beginning of the episode setting everything up and then the last episode of season one kind of wrapping up i guess what was going to be their thing i mean that's why i kind of ultimately find it forgettable because we never like it it ends with the idea that we're probably going to get another episode or at least a season two but it never happened it got it it got canceled after one season and kind of like how conquest ended too yeah yeah kind yeah and i can kind of see why just you know they probably just didn't have the money uh, to continue it or just didn't get enough reception um, or anything like that. And they probably couldn't make a toy line out of it to generate additional revenue. Back then, that's that's actually the whole, like in the 80s and 90s, that's why you made an action cartoon. You were trying to basically sell toys. So yeah. you have the show st- selling you a toy and then you have the commercials selling toys of that show. <laughs> so yeah. it was almost, so the entire thing was a big, huge Which- like commercial. This obviously looked like it was going to attempt to do that, but uh, obviously we never saw any. Of course, there are Mortal Kombat toys, but we never saw any Mortal Kombat toys from this show. Uh, I'm okay yeah. with it, guys. I people are going to look back at this and be like, "Holy shit, it was so bad." They had combat jets and Dino buddies, almost. Uh, but it's like I don't think that's the bad part of it. That is what it is. It's a Saturday morning Dino cartoon. Buddies? Because every sh- that's the joke, you know, Jurassic Park action figures. They oh, buddies. Right. There was an old Saturday Night Live skit where they decided 
that uh, there was going to be a action figure line to the movie Philadelphia. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, uh, everyone gets a dino buddy and there's like a space combat scene. Uh, stupid. That's funny. Um, back in the day when, you know, all those 90s movies had stuff yeah. like that. I mean, Why not Philadelphia? Like, I don't have any problem. Like the, the whole combat jets, you know, MK headquarters kind of stuff. That doesn't bother me too much. It the looked, animation I mean, is bad, but that's also another thing I make allowances for just because of the nature of the production. Yeah, but also, like, if it had any kind of charm, then I would like it a bit more. It's just, I don't know. Most episodes, I just found it to be, like, a drag to watch. Hmm. Just because, like, I mean, it was fun to rag on it, but, like, it's not something that I'd, like, want to watch anytime soon again. Whereas, like, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't want to watch like uh, maybe Jax's very special. I watched the last episode, or I would definitely watch the last episode again, and I would definitely watch the Smoke Sub Zero episode again, and I'd watch the Scorpion episode again for sure. Even the first episode, like there is a once in a while for nostalgic purposes, maybe, but like I think they do have charm, especially the first episode. Just the concept of Mortal Kombat in an action figure uh, commercial show is kind of charming. Kick your jets mm. and jam. And the voice acting is good. So. Hmm. Mm. I don't think so either. No. I guess it's just me then. A lot of stuff is just kind of... For me, just a lot of stuff is just subpar for me. Like, honestly, I'm not going to uh, recommend somebody watch this show if they haven't seen it and they want to get into Mortal Kombat. I'll, di- I dive, I'll divert them to Conquest instead. But, uh, yeah, I'd much, I, much, I'm, I'm actually excited to watch Conquest. Oh, man, I can't wait. I hope we can get Rope and Elliot to watch that, too. No promises, people, but yeah. I, I, we'd love to get him to watch that. Yeah, and like, um, it's like to me, it's just actually, in a way, almost kind of sad because, like, Mortal Kombat has the kind of narrative and the kind of premise that would make a great animated show. I mean, they've been doing movies as of late, and I mean, you know, Scorpion's Revenge was interesting, but kind of meh. And then Battle for the Realms was not so good, but Snowblind was excellent. So the they it, it can be done. I honestly really do want to see like a good animated television show of Mortal Kombat because I feel like you could do a lot with it. But unfortunately, I mean, you know, I think Defenders of the Realm at least gave it kind of an effort for its time, but this ain't it. I kind of don't want to see an animated... I Like, I don't care because Mortal Kombat, the appeal is the foyton, right? So I want to see full contact, like actual physical fighting. When you animate it, there's an excitement that's lost. Kind of like a, a Godzilla movie. Part of the excitement is seeing actual miniatures falling apart versus now where they do them in CGI. There's an element lost. There's a raw element. Now, granted, if, it, if it's animated and, and like choreographed well it can be exciting uh of course this show had very choppy action scenes so that can't be counted uh as that as a as a positive i mean like the like snowblind had some pretty yeah i was gonna bring that up snowblind did have some good set pieces but part of the excitement of action is seeing actual stunts is seeing actual content yeah oh yeah for sure but mortal kombat also is a fantastical world of wizards and bullshit so that lends well to an animated show. So Jay probably is right. It'd be great to see us go to unbelievable locales that can only be done with uh, the freedom of animation. And maybe we just haven't yeah. had it yet. I think this is just a bad pairing that like 
you know, Mortal Kombat can lend itself to animation. I just don't think it can lend itself to like Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, like that it needs an yeah. it needs an art house movie. Snowblind was the closest we got to perfection. <laughs> you sounded very sad when you said that. Well, I mean, because <laughs> Snowblind isn't an art. Yeah, I, boy, I didn't mean to sound that way. Snowblind isn't an art house movie or anything. It's very great. No, no yeah. Honestly, yeah, I don't remember a lot about the set pieces. My favorite thing about the Snowblind was just the the world they created, the alternate universe retelling, you know, telling of a Mortal Kombat tale and the characterization. Like the fights, the 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 action scenes are exciting, but I don't remember anything being like that was fucking sick, dude. It was mainly the story and the setting. I think it was both. I definitely remember a few fight scenes that were really good. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that it doesn't fit this format at all. Uh, it's I mean, people people thought that the '95 movie was like kind of neutered a bit because <laughs> it was a PG-13 instead of uh, rated R, but like this is just like. They had to uh, recall flashback scenes to the 95 movie and neuter them even further because we couldn't have a guy get right. impaled by spikes and sh- shit like that. It's, exactly. So it's like, it's handcuffed like twice as much. But that's also the 90s because like I said, this is the era where we have Terminator and Predator and alien action figures and KB toy stores where I would go and buy them and then watch somebody playing Mortal Kombat 2 in the Super Nintendo with blood and guts in a kid's store. That's just that weird time, man. This would never yeah, fucking yeah. happen now. Nah, nah, nah. Nah. That's why we're getting these. That's why we're getting these movies. Which, yeah, which is good because like they do have more time to focus on the animation a little bit more. Mm-hmm. The animation is unquestioned. Uh, Even though we had some issues, with the art style, of the first two movies, the animation overall is, of course, leagues better. It's pretty good than this. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah, I, I, I would recommend a lot more stuff before I recommend Defenders of the Realm to people. Like I said, if, yeah, you, if you want to waste four hours, or if you want to waste eight minutes, just go watch the Defenders of the Stupidity on YouTube, and you'll you'll get a cliff notes of what this show is like. But yeah, I, I will I, I will conclude by saying I don't regret the time spent rewatching this of you guys. I was actually entertained. I mean, I, I don't regret that. I might rewatch the Smoke episode tonight. I don't know if I'd ever watch it alone, like on my own. Yeah, I feel you on that. If I was gonna watch it, it'd be it it'd be like. Watching it with you guys or showing someone else. I'd watch the smoke episode or the finale alone. The others, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't mind company. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, thumbs sideways on Mortal Kombat, Defenders of the Realm. I don't got anything else. Jay? No, I don't have anything else either. Now it's time for me to go back and listen to all of the uh, Defenders of the Realm episodes from uh, MK Podcast. Yeah, you know what? I I try not... Can I try not to listen to, if I know that we're going to review it? Yeah, if we're going to be talking about the same topic, you don't want to accidentally say yeah, something. Yeah, I basic. try not to listen to it. But like once we're done, I go and binge all of them. And you know what? I think I'm going to do that too. Uh, nice. I especially want to see, I know they picked up on some of the same things we did, but I want to see if there's anything I may have missed that uh, I repeated a thought on, or if there's a completely contrastingly uh, different opinion. Yeah, I'm going to do that yeah. fucking... Maybe I might drive home. I'll start it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Give them more views. Give them more views. Go listen to... Boy, we're fucking whoring out for uh, Neil and Corey, aren't we? Like, fourth time we mentioned them. But yeah, go. They're good people. They're good people. Stay whore out for us. Uh, I, that's a bad word. I should say that they support us. <laughs> we support them. Go listen to MK Podcast. Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter what episode. But I guess listen to the deep dives on these episodes of uh, Defenders of the Realm. 
Great show. I don't think so. Um, I'm the only one that likes it, apparently, so far. I want to find somebody <laughs> that likes earnestly, unironically, this show. And now I want to go out and have good luck with, with them. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that, Josh, because it ain't going to be me and you seen, unfortunately. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. We are a podcast divided right now. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit it's it's a fucking cringy show too. But I, I there's more enjoy. I can get enjoyment out of it. This isn't boding well for me showing you guys Iron Eagle Four, is it? Nope. <laughs> or Swamp nope. Thing, Return to Swamp <laughs> Thing, which Jay hated. You seen? You kind of liked. Those are two in my category now of magical movies that are just beyond a, a <laughs> top ranking. They're like very special movies. A very special movie. And maybe I just have weird <laughs> categories for what uh, ticks my pleasure switches. I don't know. Anyway. What the? Not that type of pleasure switch. God damn. Get your fucking head out of the gutter. Jesus Christ. Anyway, let's... I guess let's get out of here. Uh, we're... I don't know how goddamn long this episode is going to be. About three hours. Uh, an hour oh, short boy. of how long it would take you to watch the whole series uninterrupted. But, Jay, you seen? You got anything else? Nope. No, I'm, I am tapped. All right. Usually one of you guys would be like, Josh, you got the outro. Uh, but I guess I refer to myself now. And I don't got much except to uh, try to make a further plea to you guys about the importance of the show. Because there's one thing uh, we kind of just laughed at and, and glossed over is the fact that this show has a lot of good morals on it for our minor audiences. <laughs> uh, much like how I read... Uh, uh, one of the Wikipedia uh, things says, you know, so-and-so website, you know, obviously years after the show came out, criticized it for being cringy with its uh, PSAs where they practically come out and tell you not to do drugs. It's not like that. It's not like uh, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show where Lou Abano comes out and tells you the importance of not doing drugs and says, uh, you know, when you do drugs, you go to hell before you die, which you want to laugh at at first because Mario is telling you to go to hell but he's actually saying something very fucking serious if you do drugs you're gonna you experience hell before you die that's they would never fucking say that in the show nowadays too by the way uh, that's a fucking serious yeah, message uh, yeah this didn't do anything that but we did learn uh, some important lessons we learned uh, right let's just roll them off doubting yourself is more dangerous than any enemy sub-zero to Liu Kang that right uh-huh. Sometimes, you know, you put trust in somebody, they can't betray you. Old friends can be enemies, much like Rain or uh, Zara. But some friendships will never die, like Smoke and Sub-Zero. Uh, which is why you should always back up and, and look after your friends. Uh, always be there for them. It's okay to ask for help, too. Sometimes they need to help you. You can't do everything yourself. Anger will cloud your judgment. Very true lesson. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Don't judge people by their outward appearances, like a uh, cabal or katana. Uh, you know, get to know people. And uh, hmm. at the end of the day, don't judge a show just because it's a toy commercial. Maybe, maybe you can get some enjoyment out of it. That's my lesson to you guys. Maybe you could go back and rewatch this. No, I'm good. <laughs> 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 Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Combat Time Pod. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Combat Time Podcast. You can also email us at combattimepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show. See you next time. Mortal Combat. K.
continues. Get over here!